millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. You listen to Fight Night on Saturday night. It's me, Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside us. We've got an action packed show lined up for you. You're going to hear from Regis Progress, you're going to hear from Josh Taylor, you're going to hear from the uh, two heavyweights in Derek Chisora and David Price because we've got an epic night at the O2 Arena. One of the men responsible for that is Eddie Hearn and he's joining us on the show right now to kick it all off. Firstly, as you look at a card like this, you see the fans, you interact with him on social media. You must be incredibly proud of putting something like this on because everybody seems to be buzzing. Yeah, because like you get a load of stick and when you put one of these on you just sort of stick your middle finger up and say have some of that you know and uh, is that is that a no context turn or is yeah, that probably, probably. They're, all, they're all no context turns but it's just uh look we love good cards like it's not it's not a lie like we want to see great fights we want to see 50 50 fights from top to bottom i think this is the best card we've done and of course brilliant main event in progress taylor i think mm. it can only be a fight of the year contender and of course, Chisora Bryce, what everyone's talking about. But of course, Burns Selby, you know, Cody going for the European title, Connor Ben defending his yeah. title. You know, it's, it's, it's full of action. Regarding Akoli, we're obviously going to talk about the main events in particular, but Akoli's in a proper fight, mm. man, for the European. This is this is probably the first time, don't get me wrong, the Chamberlain fight, a lot of people mm. thought that at the time, but this is probably the first time that a lot of people are going to find out how good Lawrence Akoli is. Yeah, again, even the Matty asking fight at the time was a big challenge. He didn't, perf- well, I say he didn't perform well. He won the fight, but yeah. was a bit of a stinker. He kind of gets a lot of sticker, Cody, for people saying, oh, you're not exciting. But he's moving at such a quick pace. Sometimes he's not competent enough at the levels to do all the things that's going to really excite you. So he's, he's achieving this stuff well before his time. And again, again on Saturday night, fighting a European champion, very good fighter, world-ranked across the governing bodies. Uh, Lawrence finds himself like a number two now with the WBA. He's been defending that title. I believe if he wins this fight, he should go and fight for the World Cruiserweight Championship. He's just got that horrible style that's going to be very difficult to beat, and he punches like a mule, and I believe he's going to knock and garble out. Some story, isn't it, the Akoli story, from McDonald's oh, to, to where we're yeah, at right now? was 300 pounds, yeah. he was, 300 pounds. Drastically overweight, yeah. working in McDonald's, watched the Olympics, saw Anthony Joshua and said, <laughs> I'm going to change my life. Now he's managed by Anthony Joshua, yeah. you know, and uh, he can fight, you know, and under Shane McGuigan, I think he's done a great job, and uh, I think you're going to see a good performance from him. It's not just this weekend, I know we're going to focus on that in detail, but it's an extraordinary 
end to the year, isn't it? You know, Callum Smith, Anthony Joshua um, against Andy Ruiz Don't in the desert. KSI Logan Paul. KSI Logan Paul, I Canelo will be there. Copper, we will be there. You know, yeah, yeah um, like you say, um, Anthony Crawler, Katie Taylor. Yeah. Um, it's not getting any quieter, and I'm delighted, as you know, that you signed the first lady, mm. Cecilia Brakus. How did that come about? Um, through Tom Loughlin, really. You know, he asked if we'd be interested in working with Cecilia, and you know, she's really the groundbreaking force of women's She breaking boxing. your heart? Cecilia. I knew what you were doing, Gareth. <laughs> I just didn't acknowledge it. To be honest with you. Um, so I just think that you know she is, like you say, the first lady. She's the the, one of the pioneers of professional women's boxing. I mean, forgetting the, the likes of the real pioneers like Jane Couch and people going way back. Christy Martin. Yeah, you know, she's really the first sort of commercial success. Yeah. Barbara Buttrick. Um, yeah, all right, mate. Okay. You, and, met her, uh, yeah. you met her, the mighty atom at oh, the yeah, Olympics, yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah, the mighty atom, yeah. Oh, this geezer's talking about <laughs> So, um, you know, and we got the opportunity. We, she's on our Monaco show November the 30th. There is a potential mega fight with Katie Taylor. Yeah. You know, she's at 147 pounds. Katie's next fight's at 140. She won't weigh 140. She can probably only get up to about 137. Mm. So if Cecilia can come down a little bit, you know, and Katie can go up a little bit, mm. that would be two undisputed champions facing off, which is very rare in the sport of boxing. I mean, I can't remember the last time two undisputed world champions fought. For, well, for Brackhouse, could you go the other way as well? Maybe for middleweight, we uh, Clarissa Shields. Yeah, maybe yeah. I mean Clarissa Shields is at, uh, I think her next fight's at 154. Yeah, you know that's there's a big fight as well. Got Amanda Serrano as well. She's in the mix. Delphi Pessoon. Now these are all cut. Like Katie Taylor goes for her uh, second world title next week in terms of weight classes. Yeah. very tough fight in Manchester. But like, look at the fights that are there for her. She must rematch Pessoon because everyone wants to see that. Amanda Serrano is an all-time mega fight for women's boxing. Cecilia Brackhouse. I mean, like, it's just... But they're so refreshing in women's boxing where you can literally sit down and make a fight like that. Do you want it? Yeah, yeah. And you, like, agree the money and yeah. it's on. It's a lot like men's boxing where it takes about a year to make a fight. So it's great. It's exciting. And, and you know, every fight we do now, every card we do, will generally carry a women's fight. And actually, next week on the Katie Taylor fight, You've got um, Terry Harper as well, who defends her IBO world title against uh, Obanoff. It's going to be a tough fight. Um, you mentioned Cecilia. Um, she was in Cancun at the WBC convention this week. Mm. I know that Adam was chomping at the bit to ask you about the WBC and, and its status of some of the champions mm. creating this step above emeritus. Mm. Um, well, I'll, I, I I'll, wasn't I'll answer po- the question. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, look, I think... The governing bodies do a lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff. WBC do a lot of good stuff, you know. The weight-making program is very impressive. The VADA testing they've implemented for their members and rated fighters is fantastic. The franchise championship makes no sense apart from for the promoters of the franchise champion. You know, you can't encourage someone to consistently have WBC fights to try and get a shot at the king. If when you get to the door, they close it and say, actually, no, don't worry about it, we're going to move this guy somewhere else. Because Devin Haney made a decision a year ago to chase Vasily Lomachenko. I thought he was mad. The more I watch him fight, the more I think he can beat him. And now we get to a stage where he wins a final eliminator. He's mandatory. We request for that to be called. And they say, no, actually, you're not fighting him now because he's he's now franchise champion. But congratulations, Devin, you're world champion. Not Devin Haney's fault. By the way, congratulations, Devin Haney. You're the youngest ever world champion. Right or youngest, or I don't know the official stats. He's current. He's and the, the current way, youngest guy yeah, in the world. Yeah, youngest and, promoter yeah. in the world. And by the, and by the way, <laughs> his money goes up significantly for his next fight because he's world <laughs> champion. So congratulations. 
he. Why do you think he beat Slomachenko, by the I way? I just, there's something about this kid, Gareth. Like, I think he's super special. Like, and I just think timing is everything. I think Lomachenko, you know, good performance against Campbell. He's getting older, has had all these fights. Devin Haney is just a young. And he's dog. not a lightweight. No. And, and by the way, uh, Devin Haney won't be a lightweight for too long. I mean, he's a big, big boy. And no, I know 20. him very well. I think yeah, he's, he's brilliant. 20. But he's I just got he's that confidence where I'm like, you know, we yeah. sat down with him. I said, look. Tell me, because like we can just pretend we're chasing Lomachenko, you know? And he's like, no, no. Bill, Bill said he's dead. My son will beat him, I promise you. Let's get him. So we've been doing that. We've been working hard. But what's the, ch- what's the point in chasing greatness if when you get there, you can't actually touch it? So that's the, the, the bad thing. And, and, you know, I just I don't understand it. He really reminds me, Adam, I don't know if it's the same for you, but he really reminds me, Eddie, of a young Mayweather in the way he fights. Exactly. He's got that incredible the time. The of someone who's yeah. 20 yeah. is phenomenal. Like, yeah. And he's improving at such a fight. Like, I don't think you've... Like, he's cruising through these fights. He's not getting hit. He's not coming through sticky points in rounds. He's just destroying everybody. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot further to go in terms of the levels. Devin Haney against Luke Campbell is a great fight, and I think one we'll see in 2020. So, but he wants to fight all those top guys, and you know, when you, but the, the, the only good thing for Devin Haney and all this, I mean, well, the good thing is he's world champion, but is Vasily Lomachenko, his dream is to be the undisputed world yeah. champion. As far as I'm concerned, he can't be. Right? If yep. he beats the winner of Comi Lopez, he doesn't own, own the WBC World Championship. He's a franchise champion. When Demetrius Andrade wanted a shot at Canelo and yep. Canelo got moved to franchise champion, the whole world said, well, that's no longer an undisputed fight. So I hope they do the same here and tell this kid, Lomachenko, whose dream was to be an undisputed champ, that the only way he can do that is to beat Devin Haney. Lomachenko's scared of no one. Like, he'll fight Devin Haney. He'll be excited by that fight. Whether Aram lets him do it is something completely different. But the only way he can be undisputed is to fight Devin Haney now. What do you make of the mandatory situation in the heavyweight division? It's again ridiculous because we've already got a rule in where Dillian White fights the winner of Fury against Wilder. Now they're saying that could be 2021. Mm-hmm. Like, but again, they're only going to make him franchise champion anyway. So what's the point? Dillian White's been chasing Deontay Wilder for three years. And when you get to him, yeah. they're going to go, oh, they see, no, he's a, he, well done, you're world champion, but he's off. Franchise champion. It's ridiculous. And by the way, if you're franchise champion, if you lose, you're still franchise champion. <laughs> That's true. You can't get beat, you can't lose your belt. Listen, let's get on to obviously Saturday night, two cracking fights. I'm going to go to the top of the card first mm. of all. Ring magazine belt on the line, Progress versus Taylor. You must be absolutely delighted with yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, I don't represent either guy yet. Um, we'll see what happens <laughs> after Saturday. But I just think a brilliant fight. Two guys that can fight on the inside, two guys that can fight on the outside. Two guys that can punch, two guys that sometimes get hit a little bit mm. too much. How impressed um, with them uh, as characters have you been this week? Really around impressed. Them? Like Regis has done a great job over these three yeah. weeks. He's done every bit of media he can. It's a great contrast of styles and personalities. The personalities, you've got a fiery Scott. And, and by the way, Josh Taylor is a super fiery Scott. Mm. And then you've got this geezer from LA who lives in LA now with his shades on. I mean, neither could understand what either person was saying, you know? <laughs> But they they both want to win very. They understand badly, fighting, yeah. so. and, and at the weigh-in, you see, you know, all, everything will unfold, and you'll see that 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 passion from both guys. It's gonna it's gonna be a brutal fight. How's uh, your relationship with Derek at this Derek, moment? My relationship with Derek's like it's probably one of the best relationships I've got with any fighters. In that, ninety-nine percent of what Derek does with me is all show. Like he puts that out on Instagram today. Like I post, yeah, I yeah. goes, what was that about? He's like, ha ha ha. I was like, mate, I've had people come up to me going, have you seen Chisora's post? Like he's a wind up merchant. Mm. I have a lot of respect for him and I really don't know what's going to happen in this fight. Mm. Like Price, something's clicked with Price where 
I'm looking at him these last two days thinking, you really fancy this. Mm. You know, he's coming off three good wins. The thing that he suffered about, suffered with most of his career is confidence. Yeah. He has that confidence now. What's the, what's the goal for both of these guys off the back of this just fight? Just keep winning. Like, I, I just believe the, the winner the, of this There must fight, be a, something no, the, that... Well, it's just to keep fighting okay. in mega fights, to keep earning big career high paydays. That's what they're here for. World championships, yes, they may come. Yeah. This fight's for a WBO regional belt. You know, you could see the winner in this fight fighting Usyk for a vacant WBO title. But like, because of the size of the fight, I think the winner is going to be in great shape. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an amazing night. We cannot wait for this. Uh, I've got to ask you as well. Um, it, there was, he was at the Logan Paul KSI press conference in London. It was Dillian White made an appearance. Mm-hmm. What's happening with Dillian Eddie? We're hearing he may be fighting in January from some sources. Yeah, uh, December, January. I mean, look, he's free to fight tomorrow, December, January, whenever. Um, we're waiting on some kind of announcement from UCAD. It's extremely frustrating because he wants to get on with his career, but he can fight now. You know, he's not suspended, he's not banned by anybody, but we need that statement because people keep asking questions. But, but are you saying behind the scenes something has yeah, moved no, on then? No, I'm saying behind... Look, he had a hearing in which he was cleared to fight. So that's one hurdle overcome. That so, was in August, yeah, though, but on the day you've had the hearing, fight. you're cleared to fight. So let's have a report on that or a statement yeah. to say what's happening. I've had no involvement at all since the fight because it's a confidential matter between UCAD and the fighter and the British Boxing Board of Control, which, by the way, is flawed. Yeah. Unless someone's innocent, in which case... Because, look, if he's completely innocent in this case, right, the, the, the stick and the damage that has happened to his oh. career has been terrible, Right. But if he's guilty, then everybody needs to know. Not, so are you not. saying that UCAD need to put a statement yes, out there yes. because they're holding you, up yeah, someone's you, career in yeah. what they're doing? Not, at the not just that, but for the clarity of fans and the sport. Like, there was another case yesterday I read where the guy Joe Joyce boxed a 16 year months, ago. 16 months 16 it months was. ago. Yeah, yeah. It's just been found guilty yeah, of a yeah. four-year four, four ban. Yeah, yeah. 16 months. I mean, what, what, what are these people doing? Mm. No, bang, you're in, get them in, have a hearing, decide what to do, fine. Not 16 months after the fight. It's like Eric Molina, same thing when he boxed Joshua. He's still serving a band. Yeah, but yeah. I, I came across you in a meeting with Dillian and his crew. I can say this. I didn't deliberately come into a room. You were there in a hotel. It was, there was a press conference going on at the time. Is there stuff going on? Behind, I know you probably can't talk about it in detail, but is has the case moved on as far I, as you I, know? I have absolutely no knowledge of what has happened in this case since the fight. Dillian won't tell me. Like it's so, it's that confidential that if you break that confidentiality, yeah. you're going to get sued. You're going to lose the case, and I don't want to get involved in all that sort of stuff. Yeah, of so all I'm saying to Dillian is, where we're up to, it's all being dealt with the lawyers. We're pushing as hard as we can. That's all I know. Top man. Listen, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Much appreciated. You listen to Fight Night on Talksport. Do stick with us uh, because we've got lots still to come, including hearing from the uh, main protagonist in tonight's fight. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Cantrell. Gareth A. Davies alongside me. It's a big one at the O2 tonight. Obviously, we're here for the World Boxing Super Series final between Regis Pogres and Josh Taylor. But on the undercard, we have Derek Chisora versus David Price. Originally billed as Derek Chisora versus Josie Parker. Josie Parker pulled out of this fight last moment because of a spider bite. So in comes Pricey. We went down to the press conference this week to speak to both men on how they're feeling building up to this big heavyweight clash, starting with the Scouser. Right, Sunshine. Yep. Last time we spoke, this wasn't in the plan. You know, we were cruising along, we'd done the job against Dave Allen, looking for the next fight maybe at the back end of the year, start a next, then all of a sudden, pop, we're at the O2. Opportunity knocks in it again, it's just um, this time and 
I'm in a good position to, to have accepted this fight. So it was a no-brainer really. Once we'd, once we'd negotiated the right package for me, it was a no-brainer. It's a, it's, a, it's a great chance for me. Nick's uh, a little bit upset because you told him on the Monday it weren't happening and then on the Tuesday you dropped it. Yeah, because Walker... <laughs> uh, I'm already messing. Yeah, yeah, it's all in here, but uh, I had other people like Chris Walker on me as well and they, they, like, they like to know first. It's like an ego thing now. Just wait, why do you need to know first? Yeah, Nick. You're going to know anyway, aren't you? Just, what's, the, what's the thing? It's all we can say I knew before you. But, you know, I just wanted to keep it quiet. Regarding the opportunity, though, because... You come through the Dave Allen fight and you've, you've, you've quietened a lot of people that maybe were doubting you. You've come through that and you've done that through ex- extremely well boxing him throughout the course of that fight. Where does this propel you to? If you beat Derek Chisora, where does this send you into 2020? I think I'd be knocking on, on the door for a title shot, definitely. And, and I'd be aware, you know, justifiably as well. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to be mentioning any names or whatever, but we'd see, just cross that bridge when we come to it. we win the fight and then... Eddie Ian obviously put something in front of me, which will be bigger than this again. So yeah. just stepping up in it accordingly. But there might be a big jump to a to a title fight. How much confidence did you gain from the Dave Allen fight? A lot of confidence, to be honest. It was more the feel good factor, though. Winning again just gave me that buzz back for for the appetite for for fighting and winning, and that that's what gave me that's what that's what it was more than being made up for beating Dave Allen because. Yeah. Dave Allen shouldn't beat me in a month of Sundays but it was the fact that I performed and, and done everything I planned to do was, was the manner of victory important as well uh, because rather than just knock him out people would say oh you caught him with a lucky one oh, but you absolutely beat him up for a long period of time it needed to be the way it was for me to get the, the, the buzz out of it and that's, that's why it couldn't have gone any better really and, that, and it was the feel good factor rather than the confidence the buzz is there the confidence is back up as well as I keep saying Sometimes you don't know your confidence is low until yeah. you get it back, and, and, and it's back. Regarding Derek, what does he bring to the party? He brings heat, doesn't he? He brings, brings pressure, he brings power, strength. He's, he's a bruiser of a man, so look, it's, a, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard fight, but I think I can box his head off. I, can, I think I can, I can outbox him until, until the point where he's, he's that frustrated. He'll leave himself open. The size difference is, obviously, everybody can see that. Is that a case of you then using your skills to the best of your ability rather than getting dragged into his type of fight? Yeah, I have to fight my fight, but he is going to get close at times. It's boxing people. If, if it was that simple where people yeah. think you use your reach, every champion would be the tallest fighter in the division, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> people will get close. And like I've said, I haven't got the longest arms, believe it or not. I can't even straighten that arm because I've had an operation in it three times. That's me jabbing and so... I have to be able to look after myself up close, which you, which you can. So either way, I'm comfortable. I'm confident I'll be comfortable. We, we've spoken in the past, and it's been quite obvious that you've not been enjoying yourself. Yeah. The working with the lads in Liverpool, and uh, and what have you. Do you feel now this is the best you felt, even when you were winning Commonwealth medals and Olympic medals? Is this your, is this the best you felt as a boxer? Definitely. This 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 period in my career has been the most enjoyable. The most satisfying as well because of what I've been through recently. Yeah. So if it just feels better now to, to have come through on the other side. And if I win Saturday, the turnaround's complete. It's, it's done, it's complete. No matter what happens after that, is a bonus. You know, I, I, could, I could go around and do motivational speaking about how to come back from adversity and get back, you know, get back and amongst it because 
I've been there down and out, but I've kept on in there and I've got myself even in this position and proud of myself. So, yeah, it's, it's the best period of my career, yeah. Is that what you're going to be doing? Price's motivational speaking next year? <laughs> no, I don't know what I'll be doing. I don't know what I'll be Fighting, doing. mate. You win at the weekend. Um, it's game on. Well, I'm fighting. I, win, lose or draw. This isn't my last fight. You know, the, the package I've negotiated is, is, is... I'm coming in late notice. If I don't win this fight, I need assurances that yeah, I've, yeah. I've got other fight. And that, that's all lines up. So, so win, win for me this Saturday. But the, the upside is just massive. So we will definitely see you at Anfield. Definitely, yeah. Well, that, well, that was it. Look, I need to fight at Anfield, no matter what, and the agreed. Big David Price uh, speaking to me a little earlier on at the press conference for his fight with Derek Chisora. Speaking of which, I think it's only fair that we speak uh, to Derek himself. Now, bear in mind, it is fight week. He's a little bit tetchy. Um, and as you can tell by some of his answers during this conversation, he's ready for war. And I thought at one point you were going to put it on me. Take a listen. How's, uh, how's the farm? Looks like you were... Uh, I've seen a couple of bits of you this week, grafting away. Uh, it's okay. Yeah? Can't complain. But I'm not at the farm anymore, but it's, it's okay. Well, I saw you up there. You, you I mean, I'm, I'm go, I'll go up there and film, but I'm, I'm not there. It's no. 24-7 as people expect me to, but I'm not there. Regarding the fight of the weekend, obviously it's a change of opponent. Tell me yeah. the, the, your initial thought process is when, obviously, Parker pulls out and you're uh, in a little bit of limbo before they name that Price is the opponent. Yeah, I was in the limo for about an hour, 45 minutes. The next day, I went back to the gym, trained hard as ever. You know, say, you know what, the show's going to go on. I'm not going to need, need to be sad about anything. Let's just roll on with the show. The momentum's good, though, at this moment in time. Yes, you know, um, the ball's rolling, the fights are good. So uh, we're just getting that, getting that done right now. Regarding how this fight plays out in your mind... Yes. Does this all come down to how you approach the fight rather than what David Price does? This, I approach the fight, I'm approaching this fight with very cautious and a bit of... Uh, my nerves are very kicking in now, they start kicking in now. Uh, I ask myself, have I done enough work to win this fight? I have to stay away from his right hand and his upper car. But, you know, we're going to boogie, we're going to boogie, we're going to boogie, and we're going to fight. You need, that, you need that nervous energy, though, don't you? Come into a fight like this, you need it. If, if, if that ner nervous energy wasn't there, would that set off an alarm bell thinking? Mm, yes, it would, but you know what? Right now, I need it, so it is what it is. What after this? I know you're not looking ahead, but the Parker fight... Why would you ask for it if I'm not looking ahead? All right. But what I would say is that the Parker fight, for the most fight fans, would sit there and they go they can see what happens after the Parker fight. For, for you, do you see an opportunity to fight for a world title in 2020 coming through this? We don't know yet. Right now, we just want to get rid of David Price and see how he goes. Regarding the, the love and admiration from a fan's point of view, you, that must be one of the proud feelings that you have from, from the world of boxing because of the amount of people that do come out and buy tickets to come and see a Derek Chisora fight. Yeah, you know, when people buy tickets to come and watch you and support you, you have to appreciate that, you know, for somebody to spend these hard-working money to come and support you, yeah. it's amazing, man. So I'm, I, I love coming in the ring. If I don't do, give a good fight, I'm upset with myself, I'm not happy, I feel embarrassed walking down the road. But people will say, you know what, you did good, man, thank you. So I'm, I'm happy for all those fans who come and buy, watch and support. Thank you very much. And because of that love of admiration, is that the reason as to why... Maybe you feel that you should have been top of the bill for this at the weekend because let's be honest, it's a pay-per-view event. Your name's probably the biggest on the card, and that's why people are coming. You know what? Some, my name, yes, is a big, big, it's a bigger, big, bigger than all these guys. But you know, they're fighting for a world title fight. Um, 
they're good fighters. So one of them is the one. There's it's gonna be a cracking fight. I'm excited for that fight. So I I had my arguments and they painted it to me. They sat down with me, told me certain things. They changed certain things on my contract. So I'm happy with that. So I was like, then cool then. Let's roll on. So I expect everybody to come and give them love. Are you all right with Eddie at this moment in time? I'm always all right with anybody until they stab me in the back. We saw the Instagram post. Obviously, we don't know what's gone on. Tune in and I'll let you know in the ring afterwards. There you go. Make sure you're tuned into the fight because whatever happens at the end of it, he's going in on Eddie Hearn. Fact. Uh, coming up next, uh, you're going to hear from Regis Progress and Josh Taylor. This is TalkSport. Uh, you're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. It is an epic night at the O2 Arena tonight. Josh Taylor taking on Regis Progress. I know that we've bigged up the undercard. We've spoken to a couple of the guys that are on that. It's time to speak to these two lads that are unifying the super lightweight division. Earlier this week, myself and Gareth went to the press conference and stuck our microphones in the faces of both these champions, starting with Regis Progress. You brought the suit to the press conference, man. Talk me through this. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Talk yeah. me through this. It's got... Make sure you read Rougarou. Yeah. Beautiful. See that, right? For those that um, weren't listening to our show last week, Rougarou is obviously the nickname. Uh-huh. You've had that specifically tailored. Specifically tailored just for me, just for London. That's, how, that's what champs Luke, do, eh? Luca Falcon in New Orleans, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. That's what they do. The bling's on, that's a personalised bit of bling in the middle as well? Uh, personalised stuff, yeah. Uh-huh. Mate, you are really bringing this. You are obviously giving us that full big fight feel two days away from the big night exactly you know um this this is all cool you know what but at the end of the day you still got to fight and that's the only thing i'm worried about you know this dressing and all that that's cool having all this nice stuff on but for me the only thing that i'm looking forward to is the fight that's it i've always i've always wondered with fighters where the way when you wear a suit or whether you choose a track suit or whatever it may be mm-hmm. for you putting a suit on does that mean business does it get you in business mode Definitely. yeah it, it, it's, it's business you know you put this on even when you put on clothes somebody told me a long time ago, when you even when you even start putting on clothes like this you feel different you know yeah. you feel different than having like a track shoe on and or some jeans and stuff like that so i feel it is it's like now it's business i think now i'm starting to transform even yesterday it was yeah. kind of it was it was loose. It was you know it wasn't um, as serious, but now it's serious. You know, and it's, it's no more games. I noticed that in you because obviously you were in our studio last Saturday. You were relaxed. You were chilled. You were telling all your stories. Mm-hmm. Today, a little bit of a like you just mentioned there. There's a little bit of a twist. When does that happen for you? When, when, is it when you start doing public workouts? Is it when you start doing press and you know that you're only a couple of days today. out? Just today, about two days out. Really, a day. All I need is a day. I don't have to do that months and all out. You know, you saw me last week. I'm just real calm and normal and cool. Um, but yeah, like really the day before the fight, that's when I start getting really serious. Two days right now, of course, the weigh-in is tomorrow, and then after that, it's fight time. So once that, I'm just, I'm just ready, man. The whole chat that we've had is about business. Mm-hmm. Has the magnitude of how big Saturday night sunk in yet? Because let's be honest, it's big. Not many people get to fight for a Ring Magazine belt, man. And that's number one, number two, mm-hmm. having a go at it here in London. Yeah, They're like hen's teeth. People don't normally get that opportunity. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, really, it to is. fight for one. It is, man. And I, I mean, I'm just so grateful and so glad that I'm having this type of opportunity right now in my career. You know, I just, it's the start of my legacy. You know, I always... I've been studying boxing for a long time. I've been a historian, studying all the great fighters, and I can become one of them. You know, just after this, I, most people don't have this belt, the ring belt, and then you talk about the Ali belt. Like, this is, you know, they'll be writing about me one day. So, But, of course, I have to take care of business first. But this is just giant. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still another fight for me. I still love it. When I'm in the ring, I'm home. I'm comfortable. So... I don't, it's, it's nothing that I have to really psych myself up to doing. It's something that is, is normal for me. 
One of the things you said on Saturday night is that a lot of people haven't seen the dog yet. They haven't, they haven't seen the dog. They, me. Yeah, you've never been asked those dog. questions. They never, Do you yeah. think you'll be asked those questions on Saturday night? Hopefully so. You know, let, let's see. Let's see what happens. You know, I, I, I just feel like in, in my fights, they haven't, they said I haven't been tested. Right. And, and I always, I always want to have a fight to where I go into a dog fight with somebody. I always wanted that. So I, I just go into that big dog fight with somebody and it just never came because, you know, because of like my power. I hit somebody and I'm going to hurt them. But Josh Taylor, I think he does have a strong chin. Um, and we're going to see. But I think that I just want, I, I think it's going to be a question about he's going to eventually, he's a good champion. It's going to be a, a, a time in the fight where he's going to hit me with the hardest punch he can, the flush, hardest punch he can. And I'm going to look at him just like I'm looking at you right now. And that's when he's going to be like, oh, <laughs> what the did I get myself into? I think that's when he's going to see, because people haven't seen my chin yet. That's the where does thing. that confidence come from you, though? Is that where being thrown in at the deep end in Houston against the Charlo exactly. boys and various things that's like exactly that? That's exactly where it, it came from. I mean, I didn't been, I got my ass whooped. I've been coming up getting my ass whooped. I didn't, man, I didn't spawn heavyweights with no headgear before and got hit with flush punches. So I know it's nobody at 140 pounds that's going to hurt me. I know this for a fact, you know. So I just think that, you know, once it happens, once he hits me with the hardest punch, if he can, if he can get it first off, but once he hits me with the hardest punch he can hit me with, and I'm just looking at him like, he gonna be in trouble. How do you think he'll react when he tests your power for the first time? I, I think he's gonna, he's been hurt. That's the thing. He's been hurt by, you know, he's been hurt by way lesser punches than me. So I feel, I really feel like, if and when I land a flush punch on him, is it's gonna hurt him in my type of style. If I land a flush punch on you, I'm gonna keep hurting you. If I, if, I, if I feel like I hurt you, I'm gonna keep doing it over and over and over again. So um, once that punch lands, once it happens, it might be the beginning of the end for him. Current WBA, super lightweight world champion, Regis Progress, speaking to myself uh, a little earlier this week. Me and Gareth caught up with the IBF champ as well, who was in great form. Here's Josh Taylor. Talking the talk, ready to walk the walk? Yeah, I'm ready to go. I, um, mindset's changing now, the next, next couple of days, getting into fight mode. So, yeah, um, I'm nice and relaxed. Just when I see him, I just want to want to fight, you know. So, But other than that, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready, nice and relaxed and just chilling out, enjoying this week and uh, enjoying the, the roller coaster, as I said. So, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying my career and, you know, most fighters would dream to be in this position, you know, especially so, so early on in their career. So I'm just I'm just enjoying it. I really am enjoying it and treasuring and, and, and treasuring all. I was going to say, has the magnitude hit you yet? Because I was speaking to Regis before about the opportunity to fight for a ring magazine belt, and they are like hen's teeth. They are prestigious. Yeah. It is number one versus number two in the world. It is without sound. I know you're only a young man, but to say it's a once in a lifetime opportunity isn't too, is, it's yeah. not too much of a yeah, bad yeah. statement to make. Yeah, kind of is uh, a one in a lifetime opportunity, but I've never really even thought about it. It's totally in the back of my mind. Uh, you know, fighting for all these belts. I just want to fight. I just want to get in there, get my hands on him, and fight. It won't be till um, afterwards. Um, maybe go go on holiday or something like next week or yeah. whatever. Uh, chill out. When I've got time to chill out and relax, I, I was part of that. That was that was huge. That, look at that and, and look back on it and be proud of what I've, what I've done and what I've achieved. One one of the things I've said. I don't know about you, Gareth. This week. There's a lot of things that are very similar between the pair of you, upbringings and various things like that. One thing that stands out from your point of view is the way that you've been matched as a pro. Yeah. You've already been asked the yeah. most difficult of questions and you've already come up with the answers. Do you think yeah. that's going to be a, a tale on Saturday night? I think it will be, yeah. Um, when, he, when he gets hit from me and uh, he figures out that I'm there 
to stay in there, in there to, to hurt him and get him out there and, and hungry, you know. So um, he's not had that. He's not had that in any other of his opponents that have, he's faced. He's not had a, a real live hungry. A dog. A dog. That's what you're talking about. The dog in you, the animal. Yeah. He keeps talking about Hurricane Katrina. There's another hurricane coming on Saturday, and that's a turtle tornado. Ah, it's very good. Poetic indeed. Upgraded from tornado to hurricane. I like. I mean, for for our listeners, or even for for viewers on social media, um, this is the absolute privilege, Adam, for us of being around you guys at this point, 48 hours away from the fight, because, like you say. You are very relaxed, but literally, if it was the wrong moment in the wrong corner of the room, the switch is ready to oh, be flicked. Yeah, and, and, and that's what's such a privilege yeah. to be so close to an armed machine Don't say that. I'm still like you right now. I know. I, 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 then. Listen, I, that's why I took my shades <laughs> off, because he was having a go at uh, Regis's uh, sunglasses. Specs, so they're, they're no sunglasses, they're specs. So no, no, no. The difference is I'm not fighting you on Saturday night. That's the difference. You, there's a genuine enmity there, but it, it's... Is this sport as well? Yeah, yeah, of course it is sport. Yeah, of course it's sport. It's, uh, it's business as well, you know. So it's um, it's a sport, but at the end of the day, it is a fight, and um, I'm getting ready for my fight. And my, my mindset is just starting to change a little bit now. I'm getting I'm getting into fight mode now. So yeah. I remember the bagpipes yeah. in Glasgow. I want to hear the bagpipes no, on to. Saturday night. I think just with the. With the the whole production that is the the, the Ali Trophy, I think yeah. they don't allow it because I actually asked for it to get uh, piped and drummed in uh, against Martin Ryan Martin, but the, the 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 production didn't allow it, so that was a wee bit of a, a letdown. But so um, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there one day. We'll get there one day. Adam, I don't know if you've noticed it today. The height differential between you and him is extraordinary. Yeah. Can you make that tell on Saturday night? Yeah, I, I believe I will. Yeah, I, I definitely believe I will. Yeah. 100%. No game plan being given away there then, is there? Just keep it. Listen. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you now. There's there's no there's no game there's no uh, game plan plan A plan B plan C. Just go in there and adapt and, and see what happens. Um, we believe we've worked on things we think will work and things like that, but we've not got a, a plan and how we actually want to fight. You can do all these plannings. We've done it before. We've done these plans and went in and the fights went completely different. <laughs> so we've not really got a plan. We're just going in and see how it goes and adapt to how the fight is unfolding. The plan is a W then, yeah? Simple that's as it. that. Plans are win, that's it. Regarding atmosphere, obviously you're used to fighting in front of your home fans. I think it's going to feel like a home fight, isn't it? Because yeah. every man and his dog that I speak to is here to see this yeah, fight. I know, and um, it's not just that, you know. I think I've got, I've got a big support in England now as well. Yeah. Um, not just in England, and, and well, training, all, all, all over the country, over the United yeah. Kingdom. I've got, I've got a good support. I get messages from people in Leeds and London, Liverpool, like Dublin, Ireland, and Wales, and, and things like that. You know, I get messages from people all the time saying, "I wish you all the best," and um, looking forward to this fight. We're coming up to make the trip, and. Obviously, there's a, there's a, there's an army coming down from Scotland. Um, uh, I've got a couple of thousand people coming just for myself as well, and then also Ricky Burns is going to have a good travelling support as well. So we've got all these Scots coming down as well. So oh, really, it really is going. I, to be I'm getting really excited. Atmosphere. I cannot wait for this. It's, it's just amazing. No, I think it's going to be one of the greatest nights. It's probably one of the. Eddie Hearn reckons it's the best card in terms of bumper fights this he's fight. ever put together. It's and this fight could be the fight of the year. This fight is the fight of the year on British yeah, Soul, no, yeah, question, no question. Yeah, I think yeah. so. It's, it's a massive fight, and uh, I'm just happy to be part of it and proud of it. And uh, as I say, I won't be told. I get a bit of downtime and relaxed. I say, 
well, I was part of that. That was that was good. You know, so I can't wait. Josh Taylor speaking to myself and Gareth a little earlier on this week. You're listening to Fight Night on Talksport. Don't go anywhere. There's plenty still to come. Hey, you listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. I'm Adam Castro. Gareth A. Davis alongside me. We're at the Regis Progress Josh Taylor press conference. Um, and we actually caught up with a man responsible for the whole World Boxing Super Series promotion, and that is Callis Sauerland. He sat down with me and Gareth, and we stuck our microphones in his face. Mr. Sauerland. Yes. When you obviously got involved with the World Boxing Super Series first season and you were dreaming about the possible fights that you could make. Yeah. Stuff like this is exactly what you were thinking yeah, of, wasn't I mean, it? I mean, yeah, I mean, look at season one, obviously, you know, Breedis, Uzik, Uzik, uh, Uzik, Gassiev, Gassiev, Dortikos, Groves, Eubank, uh, Groves, Smith, they were all up there. But um, this season, we've, we've been treated again. You know, have a look at the semi-finals as well. Obviously, mm. Branchik, Taylor was a cracker. You know, we've got uh, Inui Donair in, in Tokyo in 10 days. But this one on Saturday, the O2, Progress Taylor, to find out who the best super lightweight is on the planet and that's that's what we tr- set out to do it's not there's no if spots maybe is this champion franchise champion that champion this new champion regular champion super champion you'd name them champion um, <laughs> your grand your mother your mother-in-law will understand on saturday who the best super lightweight is on the planet so forget everything else We've got a nice thing called the Muhammad Ali Trophy that answers all questions, and that's what it is. You know, it's, not, it's not rocket science, it's quarterfinals, semi-finals and finals in the space of a year. End of. I think a lot of fans appreciate it, don't they, as well? Having seen Usyk become undisputed champion last year, we've been crying out for undisputed champions for such a long period of time. He did it in such emphatic style, and now it's delivering again this second season. It's just making it, in, in, a, in, a, in a world where things are a little bit murky, it's making it a lot easier for us to understand. But not only that, Adam, and this is where Caller and the World Boxing Super Series have really come up with the trumps. It's created stars for the sport and narratives, and it's it's that that is the lifeblood of what we're trying to do. I think. I mean, you know, we mustn't forget where this this, this concept or this this Muhammad Ali trophy, the whole Champions League boxing, came from. Ten years ago, and Gareth, you were at all those fights. Uh, I came up with the, the the Super Six, and I sold it to Showtime, and I got in Michael Kessler, Carl Froch, Andre Ward, Jermaine Taylor, Andre Durrell. Um, some names there yeah, exactly the time, and they weren't really the time, before honestly, the tournament Showtime came up with Andre Ward I knew he was an Olympic yeah. gold medalist I sent out Kessler he beat Kessler it's a rough and ready fight but at the end of the day he went on to become a superstar of the sport the tournament propelled him through the storyline into an HBO pay-per-view yeah. star Carl Froch who couldn't fill a phone box before the tournament suddenly became a pay-per-view fighter you know, so did it work? Yeah, and I went. Uh, the only thing is, it took two and a half bloody years to do. Yeah. There were so many fights, the broadcasters wanted it here, there, and everywhere. So we thought we have to go with a single body that makes the decisions, and that is the World Boxing Super Series. Mm-hmm. They make the decision, not the broadcaster. It's them who's responsible for running it, and that's the key that you have a central decision making. So you can say, right, we push the final bout, we don't push the final, but you work towards one goal, and that's and that is creating that narrative, and. Yes, the winner is the best guy in the division, but also, well, look what it's done, like you said, for, for, the, for the people who go into the tournament, where they come out the other side, um, they, they're stars. You yeah. know, Uzik, 
fought in a pay-per-view fight in the UK directly afterwards, signed a multi-million dollar US TV deal straight afterwards. Callum Smith now fighting record purses after, after this, going into a, probably into a massive fight soon on the back of the World Boxing Series. At Anfield, maybe, yeah, maybe. Anfield. And, in a record-breaking fight yeah. night. And yeah. Yeah, let's be honest, before, before the tournament, he was sitting around waiting for a WBC World title shot for a year and a half, yeah. you know? Oh, so, it's manna from heaven for him. Right, right age, right boxer, right time. I mean, he could not have wished. He always used to complain he wasn't getting his opportunity. And it was, he was the right man in the right place at the right time. And he, he's not... Got to perform, though, as well. He's got, he yes, that. no, he did, he did. And he, and he performed at the right times as well. Yeah. He started, I think he started quite softly in the tournament. He didn't have a great fight against Scotland. Scotland was a very tough fighter mm. as well. He got, he got a bit of a touch in the semi. He could have had a very tough fight with Jürgen Bremer. Yeah. Uh, and he then fought a late replacement, which was an awkward fight as well. He was actually a, a, a more known as a kickboxer even coming into yeah. it. But it was it was the right timing for the Groves fight, I think. And guess what? You know, there's a little thing that you're going to get here exclusive on Saturday night. It will be Callum Smith handing over the Ali Trophy. Oh, nice. so, oh there you nice go. Nice little touch, nice, I thought, nice. for the UK fans. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, that's a good one. What's, what's the development then for the for the tournament? This is obviously the second season. You've done three weight categories this time around. What's the situation with the cruiserweights, by the way? Because we haven't had anything yeah, I mean, confirmed. The cruiserweights, we're waiting daily for a decision now from the WBO on the on the on the result of the semi-final. There's a hearing into it yeah. with, the, with, the, with the whole. There's a lot of charades around the semi-final. If anyone hasn't seen it, you can watch it. It's a cracker of a fight. Um, it's regarding the finishing blow, isn't it? And the WBO. The finishing of, yeah. blow and, and, and a lot of different things. And when we have that, then we will announce. It'll probably, yeah, unfortunately, will only be in January now. But uh, but it's a great fight to look forward to as well. But ultimately, you know, we're looking now at the next season already. Um, working on when that timeline is, the best way to put it into the boxing calendar. Uh, I think there's some things we can do better. Um, we look at well, how we can better ourselves. We look, are we going to go three weights again? Are we going to go two weights? Or are we going to put all the money into one weight? You know, okay. not a talk around a heavyweight tour, potentially totally wrong time to be doing that, by the way. But <laughs> of course it's interesting, you know. Um, but yeah, is it one weight? Is it two weights? Is it three weights? What's your good um, instincts? My gut instincts, I like two weights. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's been a stretch this season. But if the three weights come up, you know, we'll look at three weights. I'm giving a really, really, really dodgy answer. Right? <laughs> um, do we look at a female weight class? You know, it's, you know. You keep I'm, saying that. I like I keep it. Saying it but I, but we were Middle weights. Outside please. of the tournament, you know, Team Sowland were the first promoters really putting money into female boxing. Um, and we've had great success as Team Saudi especially in Scandinavia and Germany mm. uh, with female fights I've known I know they've put on great fights since years and years and you know um, and I, but now I think especially with the UK and the US angle with Katie Taylor it's really come out it's really she's a great ambassador for female boxing Cecilia Breckus has done a great job as well well Matchroom Eddie Hearns grabbed her by yeah. the coattails this week hasn't he so what does that tell you it's exactly I mean it's, it's, it's out it's of a, retirement it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great sign I think she's got a couple of good fights left I agree um, but, one you know, of them being a, Katie Taylor, do you imagine? Potentially Katie Taylor. You'd have to work out the weight on how to do that. Mm. I mean, you know, you have to be a catch she's weight. welter, isn't yeah. she? And Katie's yeah. lightweight, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. But you're going to work out the catch weights, you know. Um, but it's, you know, it's, female boxing is a great one to put it on. Would you put that as a weight class? Do you go the low, low weights, high weights? And we are also in a process of eliminating which weights are just totally unrealistic of yes. doing. Like heavyweight. For, for, for political reasons. Heavyweight's a little bit. 
they signed up the big fights, aren't they? You, you, can't, can't, you could, if you were doing heavyweight, because I've sat and thought about this, and Adam and I have thought, you know, you need two hundred million dollars to do a heavyweight or tournament, more, to, or more, or more, half a billion maybe. More, you know, I think you're more four, five hundred million. Yeah, but yeah. but what you could do is you could, if you could get the, the next tier. Well, to be fair, the revenues but, are, as a business, as a businessman, the revenues are also there in heavyweight boxing. Well, you are going to go with the, 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 the second tier. Yeah, if you yeah, go yeah. with the second yeah. tier with the rising stars, with the Bacolis, the Dubois, all these guys. I'm, I'm with you, but, but I'm with you as a fan. But for the Muhammad Ali Trophy, he's the best against the best. You know, yeah. would yeah. we diverge for that yeah. once yeah. and find out the next generation champ? Maybe we look at a. a I don't want to insult anyone. I was going to use a different name for the trophy. But, but, I know what you, you mean. Know, a yeah. junior trophy. That's what we'll be looking the at. Gypsy maybe King maybe trophy. The, <laughs> uh, um, we've got to talk to you about some Anoya Nui and uh, Nanito Donaire, two incredible fighters. I mean, in a weird way, it's 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 sold out, hasn't it? They love him over there in Japan. For, for those Tokyo. listening to this, this is next week. This is November the second, yeah. isn't it, in Tokyo? Your fans, it is a. Get a, get, let's get this. It's a Thursday night in Japan, yeah. which is a Thursday lunchtime, unfortunately, in in, uh, in Europe, or in, in the UK. Uh, UK is still in Europe at the moment. Um, October 31st is looming. Yeah. So uh, November the 2nd it won't be. <laughs> but but uh, at, at the time of speaking, in the UK, in Europe... Uh, you don't do no deals, do you? No, I don't do you no just deals. do deals, so, don't you? Deals, deals, deals. <laughs> well, you were saying, deals. How, how can British fans see this Thursday, Thursday afternoon? Where will they see It'll it? It'll be on Sky. Right. It's on Sky. So, um, but it's a lunchtime, as you well, said. I think we'll be tucking ourselves in yeah, for a little yeah, bit, a few yeah, sandwiches, yeah, a cup exactly. of coffee. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. A bit of sushi. A bit of sushi and a Good Asahi, yeah, but, you know, yeah, but you're going to be ringside, aren't you? I am. In it's a hard old life, it's a isn't it? Life, yeah, yeah. But I'm not looking for the jet lag, though, No, true. Um, but the thing is, though, you're conquering that market as well, which is that's, brilliant. Well, that's, that, if you look at the first season, we went very much with the super middleweights. No secret, we went very much for the UK. Mm. Cruiserweights were a generic one, but mm. we, of course, went very much for Eastern Europe, Russia. Yeah. Uh, and season three, we looked at Asia. We went strong on the US as well uh, with I think four or five events there this season but you know it's, it's, it's a global brand and we're you know, trying to travel it and, and grow it and uh, I think Latin America is an interesting one as well for us Africa we like um, so yeah we'll, we'll look we're looking at it next that's one again. That's why it's world, world boxing super We've got to let you Take go exactly we've got to let you go in a minute but you hinted uh, a couple of weeks ago on, on fight night when, when I managed to tickle out of you that there is quite a lot of British interest, you reckon, in the next series. Yeah. yeah so I'm there's, thinking there's what weight division. There's a weight, I mean, it's a, it's a weight below middleweight. <laughs> there, there we go. There you go. Oh, nice one. Well, four, everybody. Get stuck no, in. No, no, is, that <laughs> super, is that super welterweight then? Yeah. We don't call it that, really. We're too old to call it that, aren't we? Super welterweight. Who came up with that? Who came up Super with, lightweight. I'm not going to mention any belts now, but who came up with some of these names on these belts these days? Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah, god, yeah, yeah. the Crystal Trophy right. belt. The, so you go. Season the Crystal three. Maze belt. The I can't even translate. Light middles at, su- uh, at season three. Yeah. I like there, 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 there we go. There we go. See, you heard it here first. Two exclusives <laughs> in one little segment. Adam and Gareth always had it first. Oh, thank you, Callis Allen. There, dishing out the compliments and dishing out the exclusives. But you know what? He's grown in stature as well, and this tournament, I, I was saying to him earlier before we spoke on air, it's made for him because he is such a brilliant wheeler dealer in boxing, and he's so loved and respected. He's one of those great characters, it's always fun to see him. I've no doubt his phone's busy now, having named that light middleweights will be uh, in the World Boxing Super Series next year. Anyway, stick around, it's Fight Night on Talk Sport, plenty more to come. This is it! 
The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth there, Davis alongside me. If you've only just joined the show, don't forget it will be available as a podcast for you. Do download it, TalkSport website. If you need an Android feeder, you can get us directly on iTunes. Hit the subscribe button, then you never miss out on any of the stuff that we bring you. And we do bring you some of the top guests uh, that the world of boxing has to offer. Uh, for example, on this show so far this evening, you've heard from Eddie Hearn, you've heard from Regis Progress, uh, Josh Taylor, Derek Chisora, David Price. We could carry on and carry on and carry on. Uh, but I think it's only fair that we have a little bit of a look back. I know we've been looking ahead throughout the course of the show, but time for a little bit of a look back. Uh, and to last weekend in Newcastle, on paper, uh, the two main events looked mouth-watering. And boy, did they live up, because there were a few little surprises in there. I'm going to go to the main event, Lewis Ritson taking on Robbie Davis Jr. I thought going into this fight that Ritson probably had two to three, maybe even four rounds to knock Davis Jr. out. And I maybe underestimated his boxing prowess, but my word, he absolutely stepped up. I thought his footwork was good from rounds one right through to rounds 12, which again surprised me because we've seen him gas previously, haven't we? We, we have, and I think what we saw, Adam, to kind of put an overarching opinion what I felt about it obviously we were in the studio watching it at the time and I think we had uh, Regis Progre in there with us at the time Um, it was a very mature performance from Lewis and exactly what the kind of performance we need from Ritson if he's going to progress up the levels and become a world champion we know that he's got something we know that he's got a massive following as you say the atmosphere up there was extraordinary um, even one of Regis Progre's teammates who's on the card tonight was saying he went up to witness mm. the event and he just found it extraordinary the respect levels all Ritson needs to do is or, 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 or Matchroom needs to do with Ritson is keep matching him against the right opponents. There's no way he's ready for the winner of Regis no. Progre Even though and Josh he said Taylor that fight, didn't he? He's, I totally agree with you. I yeah, he's, he's got to yet. take his time. Um, he's He's got two of the three things that you really need to be a star in boxing. One is uh, power in his hands. Yeah. Secondly, he's got a following already. Yeah. All he needs now is just to gently progress. And I think he showed great things against Robbie Davis, who, you know, he's from a family of boxers. His dad was one of those kind of loved lunatic Liverpool fighters. In fact, people were in touch with me afterwards saying that um, Robbie's dad's favoured plan with journalists used to be to give him a little dig in the body (laughs) whenever he saw them when they weren't looking. Robbie was the perfect test for Lewis at this time. And I, and I thought Ritson really deserved, richly deserved the victory. Mm. Regarding, regarding opponents, because post-fight, they stick a microphone in his face, emotions running high, the crowd wants to hear the biggest of names, and obviously he mentions Josh Taylor, he mentions Regis Progress. I agree with you, at this moment in time, I don't think he's near that level as of yet. But where would you put him? Because this is a kid that absolutely sped through the lower weight category. We wondered whether power would carry up. We haven't seen him be as devastating as he was as of yet. He showed an awful amount of boxing skill at the weekend. Would you keep him at this moment British or maybe just be on the fringes of European? Because I think world level is just too far ahead for the next 12 months. No, I, I, look, he, the, the, what we've got to realise with, um, with Lewis Ritson is he thought... He, he belonged in a certain weight division. 
He didn't. He was starving himself, um, but he was very powerful. He's moved up to a weight division in which he looks the right body type for. Um, I'd like to have seen a little bit more power. I mean, um, yes, Robbie Davis is, is very resilient, yeah. but um, Ritson's going to come up against four levels more than Robbie Davis Jr. as he progresses. If, you, if we're talking progress and Taylor levels, of course. Exactly. I mean, you know, certainly there, there are three levels above him. Like you say, there's a European, there's a middle... Um, there's a European level fight. There's a there's fringe a, world. There's a fringe world. There's yeah. a world. There's an elite. Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, I mean, he, he he's ranked Disney at the moment in um, with, with a couple of the governing I think it's bodies. WBA that he's yeah, he's now WBA. Ranked, I'm yeah. just having a look here in front of us. Um, but I think you know, there's a lot of work to do. I, I think, you know, he is. He, well, I'm just trying to find him here. Here we go. Um, right, he is. Um, Robbie Davis was seventh. I mean, I don't think these are updated, with, but with the WBA, he was ninth, and and Robbie Davis was seventh. So he will have crept up there. Um, but you know, there are there are names out there I wouldn't f mind him facing. You know, Jack Catterall again is. I think he's on the fringe of world. Though, oh, there's though, no question it? about that. I mean, there are people out there that believe that Jack Catterall has it in him. You know. I don't know if you're related, by the way. I've um, always wondered that. I, I think somewhere down the line, somebody's been up to no good in the casserole family. And really? We, we've definitely Is he one it. of the rogue cousins then? He, or are you the rogue I'm, cousin? I'm probably the black sheep, yeah. <laughs> I'm probably the rogue one, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. But, but I, I, Catterall is one of the dark horses yeah. of the light welterweight, super lightweight division. Um, He's currently the WBO manager challenger. I exactly. think he'll get that shot next year at you some know, point. Um, Jose Ramirez, again, very powerful champion. Yeah, very good. Um, so, but, you know, Anthony Yigitz, these but kind of guys. I think really Victor Postol's still in there, Postol's a great test. He's, he's second with the WBC. I think he's high with the um, IBF. He's Postol as well. Yeah, you know, listen, there's some Ivan, Ivan Barancic yeah. or Barancic, he'd be a... I mean, that's quite a good matchup. Mm. A guy that's going to come and throw down. And you can gauge it against what Josh Taylor did against him, I suppose, if you're going to be progressing through. It wouldn't surprise me to see Ritson within one or two fights, fight a, the likes like of Baranchik. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, what did you make of uh, what we would class as the co-men? Cheeseman versus Fitzgerald as a fight. Um, going into it, a lot more momentum maybe for Fitzgerald than there were for Cheeseman. Cheeseman's had... Maybe he was rushed to European level and he came up short. Uh, and there were a lot of pressure of him going into uh, into this particular fight, and quite notably from the first bell, completely changed his normal tactics. Normally he's on your chest, throwing bombs and taking a lot of punishment himself, but he was on the back foot a lot throughout the course of this fight. Well, yeah, I mean, f first of all, um, <sighs> Cheeseman was very, very unhappy with the result. We weren't... Yeah, I've watched it back. It. Well, I've watched it back. So I, I, when we were watching it in the studio, every time I looked up, Cheeseman was having success but you can't watch a fight when you're interviewing a fighter and doing a radio program at the same time so the day after I did, I did flick it on and I watched it and I scored it properly and my conclusions of it were was that Scott Fitzgerald won that fight quite comfortably I think he won it by three to four on my card and I think one of the judges had it very similar to that and the reason why I pick it like that is because yes alright Cheeseman changed his tactics he's boxing, on, he's boxing on the back foot and he was pot shotting on that back foot but just because you've changed your tactics and you're not getting 
hit as often as you normally do because let's be honest we've spin at Cheeseman fights and he's taking a lot of punishment mm, mm. just because that wasn't happening doesn't necessarily he's winning the fight I think the second half of the fight was most certainly Scott Fitzgerald's and that's where he ended up winning it early doors you thought to yourself this is different I'm intrigued by this but after six and seven, I thought Fitzgerald took over and won the fight quite comfortably. Well, I'll go with you on that. I mean, I haven't had a chance to watch it back. I wish I had. It was one of the things on my bucket list this week, but we've been running around all week. Um, it, but, but the comments from uh, Cheeseman, obviously, were very yeah. strong, um, calling it a corrupt sport. He said, you know, you train like a lunatic, dedicate your life, you make the sacrifices, but then you have the politics of business take away from you what you deserve I mean look there's no way he's not a favoured son of Matchroom mm-hmm. um, Hearn loves him yeah. Eddie Hearn loves him there's no question about that I think a lot of people love him by the listening to the commentary of, uh, of the actual fight back because we were in the studio and I never got to listen to that commentary when I watched it with the sound they were pushing on, Cheeseman yeah. very heavily yes yeah, yeah look he can recover from it the best thing he's shown is that he has a resilience and will in his life. He's overcome a horrific gambling problem. He's a tremendous guy. But I, won't, I can't tell you the details on it, but I've actually learnt... To the extent of those debts? It's and, unbelievable and what, what he did. Um, you know, he's just had a young child, and, and my heart goes out to Ted. We, you know, we've had him in the studio. We, we would call him a friend of the show, wouldn't we, Adam? He's you a know, nice lad. There's he's, no question he's lovely. about that. You know, and, and his pregnant girlfriend came in, and, and I think... You know, our producers were there that night. Was so impressed um, in the studio that night with 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 them as a couple. But he literally um, busted a like money for his house up the wall. Mm. So when he lost to Sergio Garcia in the European title fight, as 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 you know, and as I've heard him say as well, he literally put his hands down because he wanted to be beaten up because he, he he almost wanted to give up on life that night in the ring. Horrible to hear. I think he's got that resilience to come back again, but I do feel his opponent, Scott Fitzgerald, is having the time of his life right now. He's matured as a fighter. He's not the mad dog anymore. Um, And it's kind of onwards and upwards for him. I wouldn't mind seeing those two fight again. It wasn't the most exciting fight in the world. No. It didn't have the vim and vigour that... Not what that, I that, anticipated, ...that no. Davis and Ritson had, yeah. which was a, it was a brilliant fight at times. I think, as I, I remember you putting out there on your social media, it was like watching two Mexicans <laughs> fight in the Northeast, and it really was at times, mm. you know. Yeah, it was great. Um, another little just tinge um, on uh, Newcastle. I just want to bring up Martin Piccoli. Uh, because this is obviously Ilunga Makabu's full brother or half brother. I know that they are, uh, let's call them siblings. Yeah. Um, and I just want to Brothers. push him forward as a, as a credible opponent for Daniel Dubois. Because I know that we've had lots of chats recently about the Dave Allen situation. I think we're all on the same page. Nobody wants Dave Allen to get in with Daniel Dubois because there's a lot of punishment coming his way. Nonsense. But it's if, lunatic. But if Daniel Dubois wants a real test, a proper live test, for me, Bacoli looks the, looks the type of guy to give him one. Definitely, but I think they'll keep those two guys apart. You speak to Billy Nelson, who's training him. Billy Nelson that trained Ricky Burns. Bacoli is a very, very dangerous heavyweight. I don't think that Frank Warren will take the risk with Daniel Dubois at the moment mm. against a Bacoli. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. Do stick with us. There's plenty more to come. Don't be going anywhere. Oh, oh. 
This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside us. Next weekend, uh, sees quite a lot of fights happening all over the world. Of course, it's Anthony Crawler's last dance. We'll preview that in a moment or so. Uh, and Katie Taylor attempts to become a two-weight world champion. Over in the States, it is Canelo versus Kovalev. And you have been uh, speaking to uh, one of the main protagonists, uh, trainers. Um, was it this week that you caught up with Buddy McGirt? Yeah, it might have been last week, actually. But it was, I uh, can't even remember now. Time is flashing by. There's so many fights, so many trainers, so many people to talk to. A few days ago, anyway. Mm. Obviously, you spoke about that fight. And you're going to hear this conversation in a moment or two. But I'm... I don't know whether I'm more interested or not because of obviously the sadness and the poignancy around the conversation. He has obviously been in a corner recently where he has had to pull a fighter out of a fight in Maxim Dadashev, who sadly ended up losing his life. Mm. And we all saw the, the television coverage where Buddy is actually having that conversation in the corner saying, I'm going to pull you out after one more round. Yeah. And he ended up doing so and stopping the fight. Dadashev ended up losing his life. And I wondered whether you had that conversation with him about Patrick Dare recently and everything that's going on in the world of boxing and his own thoughts and, and, and the things that he's uh, maybe had to live with post-Dadashev. Post look, look, at 55 years of age, he has seen it all, done it all. You know, he fought in three weight divisions. He knows what it's like for your body to changed from light welterweight to light middleweight um he's one of the legends of the sport he worked with people like arturo gatti who's, mm. who's obviously passed away he was a very kind of sacrificial type of fighter we know about the three brilliant fights he had with mickey ward and the and the way that arturo was a slightly troubled but beautiful character worked with hasim rachman antonio tava paulie malinaji now with sergey kovalev Buddy is part of the lifeblood of American boxing. He's, 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 he's one of the old school black we, fighters and we've trainers. We've seen him in a couple of fight weeks, haven't exactly. we? And he's just a top guy to be around and he's, just wax lyrical with. He's one of those guys. He, he, he's, he's a wisdom carrier. Yeah. He, 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 he's a life changer. He, he's, for him, boxing is a lifestyle. Hundreds of people have passed through the. the you could, you'll hear him in a minute. He's just got a great feel about him. He was desperately broken by Maxim Dadashev dying. He was terribly hurt when Patrick Day died um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, he was also fascinated, you'll hear, by the fact that Nigel Benn's coming back. Mm. And he wanted to know, as you'll hear in there, what, what kind of shape he's in. Let, let, let's listen to him. Here you go. This is Gareth catching up with Buddy McGuire a little earlier on this week. So, Buddy, I've got to ask you first of all, how did Sergei Kovalev against Saul Canelo Alvarez come about? Was it because of what our boy Anthony Yard managed to do at one point in that fight? I, you know, I really don't know. I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, um, that he... Uh, Needed a challenge, and he felt the challenge would go up to fight the bigger name. Is it a fight that Sergey is relishing against the ginger-haired Mexican? You know what? He's just—he's excited about the fight, and um, it gives a chance for him to redeem himself from all the bad stuff about him that was said to him after he lost to Ward and Alvarez. Do you like it as a matchup? Do you like it as a contest? Yes. Without a doubt, it's going to be a very interesting fight. I mean, um, you know, Canelo's a hell of a fighter, and I'm not looking at the size difference. You know what I mean? That's the last thing on my mind. I'm just looking at 
my guys are the better guy, and it's going to show it that night. It's a very interesting one, isn't it? Because you know that people are going to bill it as you know, the youthful, smaller, not that much smaller, youthful, smaller guy with his exuberance and his ebullience at the peak of his powers against Sir Guy, who could put a cap on his career with this victory over a kid that's come up three weight divisions. You know, you fought in three yeah. weight divisions yourself. You know what that's yeah. like. Is he stretching it, Canelo, to come up and face Sir Guy, who is a naturally much bigger man. I mean, you fought at welterweight, light welter and light middle. Is Canelo stretching it? I'm not saying he's stretching it. I just think that he, he has the ability to do it because you know, he can fight. And a guy like him needs a challenge in his career. And I think this is a challenge that, you know, um, that's faced against him right now. That's gets him some type of enthusiasm. But I think they picked the wrong guy to make that decision with. Yeah, I, I'm sure, I'm sure they have. And, and, Sergei comes through this. We saw a very good fight overnight between um, Alexander Gvozdik and uh, Artur Baturbiev. Is that something Sergei wants to do as well, unify all the belts in the light heavyweight division? Well, to be honest with you, right now, his focus is on Canelo and nobody else. Do you talk about wanting to unify the nah. division? Oh, we talk about, we won't even talk about Canelo. We just talk about the fight. That's it. Yeah. And we just, you know, we, we got to focus on, on one thing. We can't put the cart before the horse. Yeah. Listen, you're 55 years old. I didn't want to remind you too hard, but you were around a long time. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of days ago, and you'll remember me, it was the same time as your career. You never fought each other. He was slightly heavier than you. Nigel Ben is coming back. In a couple of weeks' time, I went to his training camp a couple of days ago, buddy. He's the same age. I'm 54. You're 55. Nigel's 55. He hasn't boxed professionally for 23 years. Does it worry you? Because many of us love Nigel, and we don't want to see him get hurt against Saki Obika. Okay, my question to you is this. How does his workout look? How does Nigel look? Yeah, did you see the workout? I watched him work out. I've seen him on weights. I've seen him on the bike. I've seen him with a face mask on in which he's, he's being forced to breathe harder when he works. Um, I watched him shadow boxing. Next week, I will go back and see him um, sparring. Not allowed to record it, of course. But his son, Connor, who's 25 said that he felt very emotional when he watched his father sparring. And he even said to me, if Sakio Bika hurts him, he's diving in there to protect his dad. There are... Look, he looks great, but I know how old he is. I know what the body feels like in your mid-50s. You do, that's why I'm asking you. Well, I mean, Sakio Bika is very, very strong. He's not a big puncher, but he's very strong. I mean, he's very strong, but, you know, he doesn't have that one-punch knockout problem. But physically, he's strong. And yeah. he can wear Nigel Ben down by, you know, clinching and, you know, wrestling him and stuff because he's that, he's that strong. Look, Nigel, Nigel looks in fantastic shape. He, he, he looks, sounds, feels emotionally, physically, mentally, um, psychologically. He looks and feels right. But we won't know. I mean... We won't know until he actually steps in. He's told me he's, he thinks he's probably going to hurt Saki Obika. He'll be too quick for him. Um, 
Babika was operating at a very decent level just as short time as two years ago. And, um, you know, when you've grown up in a sport watching someone and they've gone away and they've come back again, it, you know, it, it, I don't think he's going to get kind of irreparably hurt on the night, but you just worry for someone you kind of yeah. love and respect, you know? Without a doubt. I mean, you know, uh, you just wish that, you know, he don't get hurt, of course. And that... um only thing you do now is just sit back and wait. You hate to see stuff like this happen. Guys coming back at 55. But maybe he's out to prove something. Don't make sense, but maybe he's got something to prove to himself. Spot on. That's exactly what he said. He's got, he wants to prove something to himself. He's asked his wife for 10 years if he could make this comeback. I mean, I mean, everyone here wishes him well in that comeback. And he said, this is it, though. He's just having the one fight. He said, I asked Steve Collins. I asked Chris Eubank. I asked Bernard Hopkins. I asked Roy Jones Jr. But the guy that said yes straight away was Saki Obika. So he said, it's not about these other guys, these other names. It's not about the money. It's just about me and me proving something to myself. I've got to ask you this, buddy. It's been a very tough couple of weeks, a very tough four months in boxing. You know, one of your guys, a very young man, Dadashev, lost his life. This week, Patrick Day lost his life, a guy who loved boxing. What can we do about these young people who love the sport, who, who, who live for it, and yet they sometimes lose their lives doing it? I mean... What can we do? How can we make the sport safer? Well, I, one thing I think they should do, I think they should bring the wins back the day of the fight, that morning. Because fighters don't fight at their natural way. And if you know you have 24 hours to get an IV and, and rehydrate, whether it's legal or illegally, but then you get a guy that's normally 155 pounds fighting a guy 140 pounds. But now, if you got the way in the day of the fight, now you got to fight at 47. I mean, you, you can't you can't kill yourself and get down and rehydrate us eight nine hours. So, so you're saying that yeah. the way they said that the way in the day before is to help protect the fighter, okay? But they don't fight at their natural weight as is. So some guys go down a little more, so they have the advantage because you know after the uh, weigh in. They go. The first thing they do is go to their room and get an IV. Mm. I mean, all the all. I mean, is that you know, is that right? You know, I mean, no. I mean, I mean, it's, it's medicine they give you in the hospital, but you know, to me, it's cheating. If you got to go through that to make weight, then you shouldn't be fighting that that way. Because I, because I mean, because weight cutting, weight cutting is the most serious aspect of our sport, isn't it? Apart from all the medicals and all those things, weight cutting yeah, remains you the. Figure, you know, you're draining your body. You're losing fluid around the brain. You know what I mean? And, and you know, because you're training on to make that weight, you know? you know? I mean, when I was fighting, I moved up because I was trying to make 140 when I got dizzy. I'm like, hold up, man. This ain't supposed to be happening. Mm. Mm. So I said, the other 140, I'm going up to 47. And everybody's mm. like, oh, you only weigh 43, 44. I'm like, yeah, but those extra four pounds can make a difference. Exactly. I think they should have the wins this morning or the fight. Buddy, it's great to speak to you. Give us your prediction for Kovalev Canelo then. Um, tell, tell us how, when the bell goes, what happens? Uh, victory, how? I don't know. And I don't care.
<laughs> Buddy McGurk catching up with Gareth uh, Davis uh, a little earlier on this week, uh, speaking about obviously next weekend's fight with uh, Canelo, uh, and obviously giving his thoughts on everything that went on with uh, Patrick Day. Uh, do stick with us uh, because myself and Gareth are going to preview next weekend's fights: Canelo versus Kovalev. We've got a big one in Manchester as well. It's all coming up next on Talksport. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. Don't forget, this will be available on the podcast for you uh, directly after the show. That's uh, Producer Ed's role. All right, so make sure you pull your finger out, Ed. Make sure that happens, sunshine. People want to hear from these big names that have been on the show. Uh, it'll be available on TalkSport website, TalkSport.com, or via iTunes. Now, next weekend, um, we've got an action-packed night of fighting. I will be in New York for UFC 244. Gareth is going to be covering two boxing events. Um, and an MMA event. And an MMA event from the studio. Um, let's touch upon uh, the one that I'm most disappointed about not being at. I've covered Anthony Crawler's career from start to finish. I watched him at the De Vere's Hotel in Bolton getting beat off uh, Mohammedi, and I thought to myself, there's not a cat in hell's chance that lad's ever going to go on to become a world champion. How wrong was I? He's, I think, uh, exceeded all our expectations. And next weekend in Manchester, he has his last dance. It's a bit of a sad moment, actually, when uh, you follow a fighter's career. I know this is quite uh, self-indulgent for me, uh, but when your fighter has... Uh, follow a fighter's career and it kind of mirrors your own career following it as a broadcaster for them to call time on it it does bring a little bit of a tear to me I'm going to be honest with you Gareth I'll be sad to let him go you know the funniest thing about Crawler is he's still only 32 yeah that's what's extraordinary because he got into it really early um, obviously he's having the last fight against Frank Urquiaga um, it's for the vacant WBA continental uh, light Lightweight title. We both know that means but nothing. It, it, it's, no, just, it's, just, it's just, it's just, it's a title so that he yes. can 
be it's a, a sign, headliner sign enough, on the yeah. event. Yeah, um, he's a brilliant fella. I'm last week. Boxing News asked me at the beginning of the week for a comment on which current boxers do I think would make great trainers. Yeah. And I think Anthony and I think Ricky Burns will both make brilliant trainers down the line because they are people who know how to listen. If when if and they know how to pass things on and they've both been through the nuts and bolts of the sport all the way to the very top. As you say, yeah. You watched him years and years ago in 2006. Yeah. Um, Abdul Rashid, um, 13 years ago, MEN Arena, points win, start his career. The, coming back from the loss against Al Hamidi, Yusuf Al, Al, Al Hamidi. The thing is, he's ended his career as a world champion, having fought a guy who will go down in the Hall of Fame in Vasyl Lomachenko. Mm. Took the fight at, with no hesitation in Los Angeles. Anthony has learnt an awful lot under under Joe Gallagher. I just think he'll make a brilliant trainer down the line. Um, and I'm glad he's not going on and on and on. I mentioned the age of 32. Yeah. Someone, this is the it, right time to bow out. There's no question be, about it. He could it. still earn money. That's the point. I'm very disappointed. There's something missing in his career. And it was the fight with Terry Flanagan that should have taken place, or maybe two fights, at the blue and the red uh, soccer grounds, the football grounds of, of Manchester. I just wish that they'd been able to do that. Yeah. Because it would have made At the both time that they were both world champions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's such a shame. Mm. But promotional promotional rivalries got in the way at that point, didn't they? They did, mate. Politics denied us that fight. But I'll tell you something, he's given us an unbelievable rider, mm. as Anthony mm. Crowler. And it will be a shame to see him bow out next week. And fingers crossed he gets to do that um, with uh, a new strap around his waist. Um, also on that card is a young lady going for a bit of history. Attempting to become a two-weight world champion. You're a massive fan of Katie Taylor. You've documented her travels through the amateurs all the way through to where she's at right at this moment in time. We've actually, uh, at the start of the show, you may remember us speaking quite openly about uh, a new signing for Matchroom Sports in Cecilia Brackhouse and maybe the possibility of her coming down a touching weight uh, and Katie going up a touching weight. If you follow boxing, you'll know full well that that is an absolute monster super fight. It would be unbelievable if they could make that happen. Is Katie going to be in a situation maybe in a year from now where she's run out of opponents because she seems to be rising to every single challenge. I know the Delphine Pierce soon, everybody's got an opinion on that particular fight, whether she did or whether she didn't win it. They will run that back and I'm sure Katie will rise once again. But will there be um, uh, not enough talent for her to, to, to keep impressing us? Can I just go on record as saying I actually love Katie Taylor? Eddie Hearn went on record this week as saying the same thing, so I think I'm all right. I'm in good company saying that. Yep. There is something so deeply angelic about her, yet such a raging bell when she fights. It's extraordinary. Um, she has so much star talent without having to brand herself in any way other than being a deeply religious woman who loves the sport of boxing and who loves a tear-up, she will always be marketable. There will always be a new opponent. There will always be someone out there for her to fight. But let's get this straight, Adam. The woman she faces on Saturday night in Manchester, um, Cristina Linardi de Tu, uh, from Greece... I like that. ...has only lost... <laughs> ..has only lost... 
to Delphine Persoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And we know how tough Delphine Persoon oh, this is. this is a proper fight. No question about it. Now, I think, as you know, that Delphine Persoon won that fight at Madison Square Garden Correct. against Katie Taylor. I, I, I mean, I'd love to have the debate with Katie about it. Katie, I love the fact she wants the rematch. But this woman, Linardetu, is definitely a very powerful fighter who went 12 mm. rounds with Pursoon as well. Very strong, amazing hairstyle, lip ring, <laughs> tongue ring. And as Eddie pointed out, um, she is light. So she, we know that she's going to come in under uh, the limit. And uh, we'll see how she gets on at this second weight and whether mm. she can win herself a world title. Uh, Josh Boatsi. Um, he's obviously carded to be on this next weekend. Just a quick one from your point of view. Obviously, last week we saw Baturbi Evan Gvodic. How far off is uh, Josh Bowatsi from getting up to that level? Because what I saw last weekend, there's some serious, serious cats at light heavyweight. Um, there, there is an argument. We don't know yet because we need to see the way that Joshua Bowatsi, who is one of the the unpolished diamonds in the matchroom stable, what may arguably one of the unpolished diamonds in world boxing. Um, he's so dedicated you've got to see him in action you must watch this guy he's a beautiful human being as well Um, you always wax lyrical on how (laughs) handsome he is I think he's an 8 rather than a 10 oh no he's a 10 no he's an 8 for me he's He's an 8 but he's not my type that's all (laughs) Um, but I love Joshua I I, I love Joshua Boatsy I love working with him he like Katie Taylor similarly Mm. deeply religious an incredibly powerful, dedicated athlete fighter. There is an argument that within perhaps two years, when he's had eight more, nine more fights, and Baturbiev is at the height of his powers, Artur Baturbiev, because I think he's the number one in the division. Um, I think Sergei Kovalev is on the wane. I think Saul Canelo Alvarez will beat him. I know we're going to come to that in a minute anyway, but... I think we have a super fight on our hands there if Joshua Boatsy continues to improve mm. in the way he is. Because when he gets hit at the moment, when he gets stunned at all, he's always got an answer. He, you can always see that there's a natural fighting IQ there, that he is learning all the time. I just think he's extraordinary. And we are very lucky to have so many of these young, talented fighters around us and, mm. and in our midst at the moment. So we could have a historical night in Manchester and then we uh, quickly get over the pond and we uh, get ourselves uh, to Canelo versus Kovalev and we could have another historic night there. This little Mexican fella keeps stepping up in weights. He keeps uh, impressing us. Yes, OK, Kovalev maybe he's on the back end of his career now and uh, he's... Don't get me wrong, he's the biggest name in the light heavyweight division, but he's probably out of the four champions that we did have, or should I say now three champions, I would say he's the weakest out of those. Do you believe that this is a smash and grab? Is Canelo just going up, taking the belt, and then coming back down, or is he going to stick around for a bit? Smash and grab is a very good way of putting it. Um, as we as we build up to this bumper kind of period in boxing. Um, yes, I think it is a smash and grab. And if you watch the social media videos of Saul Canelo Alvarez, I had the privilege of going to see him earlier this year in, uh, in San Diego training. Um, I find myself watching Canelo and then going to the mirror and just tilting at the left-hand side I, of the I've waist. I've seen. I don't you know must who, have done it as well. No, no, no. I don't, I, 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 I don't like know to who tilt the at the waist and throw that left hook he throws I, I to the body. I don't know who the photographer is that follows you or Soul around um, when you're in San Diego, but some of the pictures of you just gazing lovingly into uh, at Canelo whilst he's doing his training, honestly, man, I wish you looked at me like that. 
I will from now on. <laughs> he is a specimen. There's no question the, about the, it. The, the power. You yeah. see how big his legs are now. He's allowed to go there. So I, I will give you a lot more love in the Thank future. Thank you, mate. No, I, I hear your call out live online. I hear the cry for love and you will get it. Um, the, you, you see how powerful his legs are when he leaps out of that giant white Jeep of his mm. and he goes in the gym. I really do think that he's got such a, a strong chin. I think Kovalev's power has kind of deserted him. That, that kind of power where he, you know, five, six years ago when he walked through Nathan Cleverley and really hurt Nathan Cleverley, where he took on so many opponents, where he dropped Andre Ward early in their first fight. I do really think that this is perfect timing, perfect moment, perfect pitch in the career of Canelo to go up and have this fight, but I think he'll go straight back down again. I see a Canelo win, either a really tough fight, because I don't think Kovalev will give up the ghost, mm. either a very tough 12-round decision or Canelo even getting the stoppage late in the fight. Body shots. Yes, all day. There's a lot of real estate there for him to ch- check into, and I think he will stop yeah. him late on with a body shot. Um, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. Stick with us. Plenty more to come. It's Saturday night, and as per usual, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. Uh, and now for the next 10 minutes or so, we're going to confuse the living daylights out of you because we've been following this sport for a long period of time, and I'll be honest with you, it confuses me um, quite a lot of times. Don't get me wrong. Nice night tonight when Josh Taylor's taking on Regis Progress, when you're getting heavyweight contests like David Price and Derek Chisora, that's why we're here. We want to see those big fights. It's the politics, however, of this sport that do kind of put a little bit of a dampener on it. Uh, and for me, having read and watched a lot of video that has come back from the WBC convention, and I'm sure you have as well as a boxing fan, you'll be left scratching your head just a touch. We're going to start with franchise belts. That's where we're going to start with, all right? Uh, So for those that don't know, a franchise belt is a new belt that's been created by the WBC. They awarded one to Canelo earlier on this year. They've just awarded one this week to Vasyl Lomachenko. And what that means is that they have raised the profile of their champion. They have, if, if you understand the WBA ruling where they have a super champion and a regular champion, it's very similar to that. So they've elevated the regular WBC champion to uh, franchise status but as part of that what that means is that the franchise champion no longer has to face mandatory challenges and this is where I have a problem we heard Eddie Hearn speaking about this right at the start of the show if you missed it please download the podcast uh, because he speaks openly and honestly about the situation because Devin Haney one of his fighters has benefited from that this week whereas Dillian White one of his fighters is most certainly not benefiting from that at this moment in time where are you at regarding the implementation Gareth of a franchise belt and a franchise champion. Are we in danger of really diluting the worth of becoming the WBC champion of the world? Definitely. Um, I don't like it when someone, whenever anyone becomes a champion by default, for example. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of Nicola Adams. She's an extraordinary pioneer for women's boxing, a pathfinder, a lightning rod in many ways. Her, Her amateur career was incredible. Her dedication, extraordinary. But when she was made a world champion recently, yep. purely because the, the, uh, a, a previous champion had failed to defend... Yeah, because it, they'd been in a car accident, which was ridiculous. Yeah, because... They were exactly, injured. That, um, it, yeah, I understand people, people or champions not being able to hold on to a belt for a certain amount of time without defending it. But Nicola is of such standing that... 
you want to see her win it. You want win, to see it. win it in the belt. And that, Earn it, and claim it, and you, fight for it, and you, battle for it. Yeah, you're making that reference because of Devin Rip Hedy. Rip it this from week. someone. So well, De- I was going to go on to Devin go as well. On. So Devin well, Hedy's now the WBC champion at lightweight when he hasn't really fought exactly. for you the heard, You heard what Eddie was saying. I'm just giving you a little bit of love here. I'm just touching you. <laughs> um, you, you, heard, you heard... I'll touch you again as the show goes on. Um, <laughs> in all the right ways and in all the right places, I mm. hasten to HR add. are going to be called after this. Carry okay. on. <laughs> um, that... that um, you heard Eddie Hearn talking about Devin Haney. He he thinks he's amazing. I know you do. Yes. I think you've picked him as one of your fighters yeah, of the year fighter. for a couple of years. No question. He's extraordinary. I, every time I come across him, I love to speak to him. But again, similarly to Nicola Adams, this is a guy with extraordinary talent who should not have been, can I use this word, gifted. Mm. It's almost feel like they are gifted a world title. Mm. It doesn't send the right message here's about one, the sport. Here's one for you, right? If Luke Campbell doesn't take the Vasyl Lomachenko fight, he would be world champion right now. That's, that's that how says crazy it, it is. All then. Because he would still be highly ranked. He would still yeah. be number one, number yeah. two. And yeah. therefore, with Vasyl Lomachenko yeah. being made franchise champion, Luke Campbell would have been implemented yeah. as the new champion. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, greed from the, it's greed from the WBC. It's wanting to hold on to very... No, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, the, you know, a couple of days ago... Dillian White's been made mandatory for Deontay Wilder's WBC heavyweight title belt, but he's going to have to wait till 2021 mm. for the world title shot. These kind of... these And Deontay Wilder might be franchise champion by then. Yeah, except, no, but that's what I mean. So he'd be fr- franchise champion by then. So it, it's, it's, these are inadequacies in the regulations of the sport that we love because... These are not statutory bodies. Everybody they can seems make to up whatever rules they want. Everybody seems to benefit from it, bar the fans. And I'm just thinking from a long-term point of view, do we lose people's interest in the sport? Because at the end of the day, I mean, the beauty of the UFC, me and you are both full of mixed martial arts, right? So each franchise, whether it be UFC, Bellator, whoever it may be, you've got one single, one song per weight category. Everybody mm. knows who the champion is at that mm. weight. Mm. You come in now, and I think with franchise champions now, through the weight categories that we've got, you could have a, at any one time 108 world champions. 108. Who's the best? How, 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 can you, how can we, as people that love this sport, how do we then meet the guy in the pub and we're chatting away? What sports do you love? Oh, I love boxing. Explain to me boxing. You explain boxing. There's 108 world champions in all these different weight categories. You've lost them straight away. Well, you, you know who the Premier League get, champion yeah, is, don't you? It's very hard to get out of the niche, isn't it? That's mm. the problem when you do that. Because... And it's very hard to create crossover stars. Um, You know, the trouble is for many people that have been involved in the sport a long time, you tacitly accept what's going on around you instead of challenging it. You go back to the 50s and 60s and certainly even till the early 70s, that is why the heavyweight championship of the world was called the richest prize in sport. Because that person was a star, was the man. And he was the man with globally, with masculinity, with with the standing of being that stud. He was that stud, the man, Mm -hmm. you know. But you you can't say that anymore. Um, And you can also argue that in some ways, and this is kind of going into territory that I don't fully kind of, I don't have full conviction on. 
it's like when our stars in heavyweight boxing go over to WWE, it still dilutes what they are as a boxer. Mm. I mean, I'm enjoying Tyson Fury's classes and, you know, but there's so much acting involved. And why shouldn't he turn it down? Why should he turn it down? And, and why shouldn't he do a skit with Braun Strowman knocking him over? Um, mm. in a ring when he's training against a guy who's half his size and it's all fun but it, 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 it it's, it's just it's, it's, it's what happens every generation says it about the generation or two generations below or they were tougher then they were harder then they didn't need all this then they, they, they fought their way through it the dilution of things and I think that's all we're seeing yeah. with more champions and, and a franchise champion you know, what the hell is that term anyway? Franchise champion. Yeah, can I buy the franchise, please? And that is what it's like. Mm. Jose Suleiman, um, Mauricio Suleiman, rather. I'm going to have a word with Mauricio when I see him. I'm going to stop <laughs> drinking tequila with him. I'm going to stop loving his arm and stroking his arm. I am going to get hold of him. I'm going to squeeze it hard and say, you need to listen because you're <laughs> yourself. <laughs> Make uh, you know, mind up what that bleep was. <laughs> um, as part of that WBC convention, you, you mentioned obviously the situation with Deontay Wilder at heavyweight. 2021 February is when it is penciled in that he will face his next mandatory challenger. Now, listen, I'm all for Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury 2, all for part three, yeah. absolutely. But the fact that the heavyweight champion of the world, who owns the green and gold belt, is only going to face one mandatory in a three and a half year period before he faces his next one. It's extraordinary, isn't it? He's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And regarding mandatories as well, I don't know if you saw this, Callum Smith, who's the WBA super middleweight champion of the world, he's, he holds one of those diamond belts. I mean, they make these belts up for fun, but he holds uh, a WBC diamond belt. David Benavides has regained his championship back, one of the youngest champions in the world. And now he has been given the opportunity as well to become mandatory challenger for that. Maybe that's the only way that Callum can go to go and get himself a super fight because everybody else doesn't seem to want to have a knock with him. No, it's, it's, it's so frustrating. Um, Politics, I th- Gareth. I yeah, told you that we we're going to annoy people in this particular section. Let's just stick to interviewing people and having a bit of fun. No, but it, it does work. get... It, I'm, look, it's complex for us and it, and, it, and it just gives you multiple headaches. But how it, how it must be perceived by the general public mm-hmm. is just extraordinary. Look, we, we probably have an opportunity, arguably, globally, two or three times a year, nationally, a couple of times a year. Look, when Tyson Fury fights, when... Um, Anthony Joshua fights, fights in a fights, couple of weeks, yeah. The, the whole public gets involved, you know, mainstream, the, the grown-ups of this world get involved, you know. I mean, you know, the, the politicians are interested, everyone's interested. And on those opportunities, we really need to capitalise because... Um, it's a very, very confusing situation. I mean, I, I, I think with Callum Smith, I think his big fight in, uh, in 2020 is probably going to be with Billy Joe Saunders, mm. believe it or not. Mm. It's, it is going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. Later on in the show, we're going to talk about Chris Eubank Jr., who might even come into that mix as well, mm. even though he's taking a fight in December, of which could propel him ahead of everybody for Canelo, because he could end up becoming Canelo's mandatory in a way, because he's fighting for an interim world title. It's all a little bit crazy. This but I still boxing. think, and I still, and, and I, and I maintain this, that in the World Boxing Super Series um, at super middleweight, without Chris Eubank Jr. and Chris Eubank Sr. involved, obviously we had George Groves and Callum Smith, we would not have had so much resonance. 
from yeah. the sporting yeah, world. Yeah, you're right. He 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 was the X factor. He was a celebrity. In, he, he, was he was the was celebrity, celebrity, the X factor, the 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 giant crouton in the soup, whatever you want to call it. You know, <laughs> I'm hungry. Um, whatever whatever you want to call it, he was that X factor in bringing um, just the mainstream to to the contest, to all the way to the semi-final stage. Mm. Uh, do stick with us. Um, it is fight night on TalkSport. I promise you it won't get any more confusing than what you just heard over the last 10 minutes. I'm confused. <laughs> um, we will continue to talk about boxing in layman's terms. I apologise for that last 10 minutes, but it is. Listen, it's as crazy as it is uh, for us as it is for you. No question about it. It's uh, fight night on TalkSport. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Uh, this is Fight Night on Talk Sport. Time uh, to hear from Connor Ben now. Gareth caught up with him at the Matchroom Gym in Brentwood in Essex. Uh, of course, Connor's a fighter himself. However, the main topic of conversation was about his dad, Nigel, and his comeback, and whether the boy can watch his dad step through the ropes one more time. Just seen you working out, Connor. Um, soaked in sweat, having a very good workout with a taller, rangier fighter. Um, you're going through your moves. We're here at the gym out in Brentwood. Kind of, you couldn't find this place. You couldn't find it in the dark, could you? Couldn't find it in the light. Exactly, it was a struggle today. Yeah, it's um, it's a nice quiet gym, and you know, it's more people who get invited down know where it is. Um, you know, so it's nice and private for us fighters. Ricky Burns here today. John Ryder, um, yourself, your father, Tony Sims here overseeing it all. Is it more enjoyable for you getting ready for this fight with Dad here and kind of like, you know, he's doing his cycling, his weights, his. He's got his face mask on where he can't breathe. He stuck it on my face earlier on. Um, is there a is there a greater pleasure in it with with dad being around and and being actually physically doing similar things? Uh, it's just a reminder. When I see my dad, it's just a reminder of the the blood I got going through my veins. Um, obviously, you know, dad loves their son, so he thinks I could. When he says, oh, yeah, and, you know, give it a couple of years, you'll be world champion. And, you know, you've got to take into consideration he's my dad. Um, and the, he may be a little bit biased, is that the word? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm his son. So, um, But I do take his advice on board. Um, when he says I'm going to be world champion in two years, it's a bit like, yeah, okay, like sort of thing. But um, having him here, it's a reminder of the, you know, the fighting spirit I got in me. And... And, you know, come fight night, when it gets tough, you know, it's just a reminder, I'm a fighter. Is he going to be there on your night and you on his night? His fight's five weeks away, you're just, what, eight, nine days away now? Yeah. So, Um, is he going to be there on the night? Oh, of course he'll be there. Um, I don't know if I can watch his. Really? I don't know, I don't think so. I mean, I was watching him spar and I got quite emotional the other day. Because, like, she's not nice. She's not a nice feeling. I can't imagine what it's like for my mum. But for me, it just went. It just went a nice feeling. What? Why is that? Well, because he's my dad. Do you know what I mean? I've, he's my dad. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's just not nice. You know, most people go, oh yeah, you know, dad's having a fight. Oh, I love it. He's my dad. I know the risk of the sports, and it's it's not it's not it's not a nice sport, really. For you, I mean, when you think about it, 
Um, you know, you have all these incidents that are happening, and four deaths in four months. Well, there you go. And I question, I question myself doing it sometimes. Mm. What's what's worth more, my health or my wealth? Do you know what I mean? I, you know, what, what what's it worth? Is it worth it? And then and then I'm, I remind myself that I'm a fire. And There's we, no getting away from it. No, we know the risks. We know, we know, we know it. And but in my dad doing it, think about all the wars he's had, and he's come unsc- out unscathed. Why would you go and dabble your feet back in that pond? But you grew up watching his fights, or at least watching some of his fights back, because we've spoken about it before, and it really turned you onto the sport as well. And and like you said, you know, you've got the same blood, the same DNA flowing in you. Yeah, but I'd watch it, but I didn't really think it was my dad. <laughs> like I'd watch it but it wasn't like oh this is my dad I'd watch it and I think it was cool but I never looked too deep into it like that's my dad that, who's in there because I didn't I never see him that way You so you didn't see your dad as your dad when you watched him fighting no. all those years ago no but saw- now it makes you feel so you got emotional watching him spar the other day yeah as you would I mean worried for him not necessarily worried more overwhelming mm. like it's just like I don't know how to explain it like I had like butterflies it's a deep in my thing, stomach isn't it? yeah like I had like all like bit of anxiousness mm. in there for him did you want to be in there doing it for him is it that weird feeling yeah I wanted to get there. I wanted to get in there and like, he was sparring Felix and I was just like I just wanted to get in there and, you know, fight for him. Like he's fought for you growing up? Yeah. It's that weird I mean, thing, isn't it? Yeah. And bearing in mind, he's two-time world champion and I'm telling him when he got out of the ring, oh, dad, you keep pulling back or you keep doing this or you're doing that wrong. And then it was just, I just thought, I was like, not that my dad even needs to listen to what I'm saying, but but it's just funny how how it works. You know, when you came in the studio, both of you, that's what I said to him then, and I feel it myself, I'm 54 years old. I know what I can and can't do, you know, physically. And I am one of hundreds of thousands of people who's concerned about him fighting. Mm. You know, because we do, many of us love the sport. We remember him. He inspired us. Mm. You know, he inspired us to want to be involved. I I think, um, I think, you know, everyone's bound to be concerned. They should should be concerned. I'm concerned. Um, But he's got the, you know, the heart rate the testing when he went to Harley Street done some testing he's got the fitness of a 25 year old man but we want him to have the brain of a 25 year old man when he leaves the ring as well well hopefully he has the wisdom of a 25 year old man when he's in there do you know what I mean well no the, the wit- yeah you know hopefully he gets in there and you know he's smart and he's and he's focused and he's switched on so you think you might struggle to actually sit there and watch it on the night ringside mm-hmm. without jumping in and giving Saki or Beaker a couple yourself yeah Thing is, I could, I would, I'd jump in there. I would. It's it's not, uh, you know, I'd get in there and <laughs> and I'd want to fill him in. Do you know what I mean? I, it's just, it's just um, he's my dad, and you know, I've got a lot of love for my dad, and and I don't want to see him get punched in the face. I don't want to see, I don't want to see him in sparring. I don't want to see him even fighting. It's my dad. Well, what else? But you respect his view and his opinion 100%. and what he wants to do. And the reason as to, and the reason as to why he's doing it is it selfish? Hundred percent, it's selfish. Being a sport, you gotta be selfish. And 
I res- the reason why I'm cool with it as his son is because the reasons behind it. It's for himself, it really is. It's not for money, it's not for fame, it's not because he misses the limelight, it's not because it's got nothing to do with any of that, which is why I'm I'm at peace with it. I've made my peace in saying what I've had to say, Dad, I don't want you fighting, mate, etc, etc, etc. But I know you're going to fight anyway, but I'm going to support you in your decision. I've made my peace in saying what I've had to say. Um, I love you, going to support you. And what better place to be than training with me here? I mean, I'm on his case. I am on his case. I'm doing my his nothing. I am doing his nothing, and but I care about him, and I want to make sure that when he goes in there on the night, I've done everything I can to help him. Whether he listens or not, I've done everything I can to help him. And it's funny how the tables turn, because when I grow up, it was more so my dad telling me what to do, and I weren't listening. And now I tell him, and he don't listen. So it's just, it's just funny how, how the world works, because I never thought we'd be in training camp together. Me telling him, don't eat this, don't eat that, because the amount of calories in this is equivalent to the calories in a meal and the devil's in the detail when it comes to food. The Cairo chamber is good for you because of this and, you know, the science behind not doing slow waste but fast waste, getting your, working your um, anaerobic system instead of the aerobic system and all things like that. And he, he just like, yeah, let's have my steak and chips and, you know, do my, <laughs> do my old school training, a little bit of pushing and heavy lifting and, you know, Bob's your uncle. Have you had that little spar with him yet or not? Not yet. It's not going to happen. I don't, I've, I've, I previously said in interviews, yeah, I'll spar him and I'll let him know. I'll really try. But now it's like I don't want to spar him because it's for real. So like when I used to spar him, I'd try and really get, take his head off. Whereas now it's like, I wouldn't. Because you've had two hard spars with him in real life, haven't you, where you? No, but. 16 and 18. Yeah, but, yeah, and I've proper, really had it with him when I was 18 and I really tried hurting him do you know what I mean like I know and he tried hurting me too don't think it went one way it's, it's a two way street um, what would your mum have said if she'd known about that she'd have taken his head off now yeah probably you must have been done behind closed doors without her it knowing. was We got it. he's got the video I see him on his iPad he's got the video recording and it was, pro, it was proper spa knocked his head guard right off his head I didn't have no head guard on either I had 14 ounce gloves on and we're going for it or 12s or something and but now it's um, oh, I don't think I could spar him because as I said it's for real now it's not no mucking around it's, for, it's, it's happening I still haven't really come to terms with it but he's in good shape so he's in good shape and if I was him and I, I was, and what I want to hear from my son is just I'd support you. He's living with me. He, I'm cooking for him. He's, I'm cooking for both of us. And yeah, just making sure we do, does everything right. I kind of got that vibe from the original press conference of Connor because he sat behind us. He started asking questions, didn't he? He asked that question about how do you know that this will be the only one? Are you definitely here just for one for closure? Or if you get that test again, will you come again? I'm starting to hear now a tone in his voice where he's a little bit apprehensive about his dad stepping into the ring one more time. I'm looking at a photograph here, Adam. You can see it as well. Yeah, yeah. Of the love between these two men. Um, even this week, Conor Ben at the press conference told a, 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 an extraordinary story about how he used to shout at his dad for losing the remote control and it was in his back pocket and he said, I now do that. And they're like two peas in a pod. And I think... We had them in recently. They were fantastic together, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, they were fantastic. wonderful. They, they, you know... I mean, we both came up with it at the same time. You could watch a reality TV series <laughs> with those two together. 
they there's so much genuine love and energy between them there's a really deep mutual respect but i think the boy is now conflicted about the dad getting hit mm. i think the boy and you do see it in your own father when yeah, but it's normally the other way around isn't it it's normally parent yeah, to child yeah, rather yeah, than child yeah. to parent yeah but but well you haven't got to that age yet <laughs> but but well, you might see it in your own father for example where you 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 i know you've run with your dad yeah, for yeah, example yeah. and you know you're both very fit men that if you ran with him in 20 years time in a marathon and you were training hard together yeah, whatever, you start right. to feel the vulnerability um and I noticed that in the gym where Connor's watching his dad. But the comments there, how he's, he, he wants his dad to have this moment. He wants him to scratch that itch and kind of have closure on a career that he wasn't happy the way it ended. But at the same time, he's worried about his dad. And it would not surprise me to see him leap into the ring and whack Saki Obika if he's headbutted his dad or something. He's a real passionate young man. But it, it's one of those weird scenarios. I wouldn't be surprised if he stares backstage, you know. No, it wouldn't surprise me at and all. And he doesn't watch it. Wouldn't surprise me. And I know you've got very, very balanced views on um, Nigel wanting to fight again. We're all worried about him, but it's his right to do it. I'm concerned as well. And when you hear the son talking about it mm. in that way... It, 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 it's such a dichotomy for him he, he cannot really understand it and it, it's what makes it a fascinating situation mm. um, Conor Ben there speaking to Gareth a little uh, earlier on this week we've had loads of guests on this show and if you've only just joined us you can get it on the podcast it'll be available directly after the programme so make sure you're getting all over it Eddie Hearn on Josh Taylor Regis Progress has been on the David Price and uh, of course uh, Derek Chisora make sure you stick around because there's still a, a little bit for us to get stuck into including a bit of a preview of next week's uh, mixed martial arts that me and Gareth are going to be attending so make sure you stick around for it this is Fight Night on TalkSport you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport I'm Adam Catterall Gareth A. Davis alongside me uh, time for a little bit of any other business because you will have seen this week if you follow myself and Gareth on social media that we posted that Chris Eubank Jr. has accepted his next fight and my word, is it a proper fight. I'm sure there were plenty of other suitors out there that maybe could have um, stepped in to fight Chris Eubank Jr. because the money would have most certainly been right. And I'm sure the test uh, for Chris uh, would have been a little less painful than uh, Matt Korobov. Matt Korobov, if you've never heard of him, is absolutely legit. This is obviously Chris Eubank Jr. going back down in weight from super middleweight back down to, uh, to middle. It is for the WBA Interim Middleweight Championship of the World. Reason being for that is that Canelo's obviously fighting next weekend at light heavyweight. He's obviously inactive. The WBA make it up as they go along and therefore they can stick an interim uh, title on, uh, on a fight even though they've got regular champions in Murata still knocking about. Anyway, that's by the by. What a test this is because I remember watching Matt Korobov fighting Charlo last year and I genuinely thought that he won that fight and he was very unfortunate not to come through it. This is a proper test and I think if Chris Eubank Jr. comes through it and I think if he comes through it well, I would not begrudge him a shot at the cinnamon haired Mexican one. Uh, I wouldn't begrudge him that anyway. I, I think he brings great value every time he fights and he boxes. He's got... I've said it all along about him that one of the big criticisms of Chris Eubank Jr. is that the self-belief's too strong and the ability's too little, or you know, his abilities okay. are too few in the ring. 
I think the the DNA that he carries from Karen, his mum, and from his dad, Chris, Christopher English, um, Eubank Senior, is makes him a fighter. You know, we were talking about Conor Ben earlier. Um, similar kind of yeah. character. He's got all He's, the things that you can't teach. Yeah, exactly. You, you, yeah, no, you can't teach, and you can't kind of you can't import into someone. No. He carries them, and I'm I'm a huge fan of his. I, I've I've, yeah, I like I've made no bones about that. As I said earlier, he helped. He was the X factor in the World Boxing Super Series 12 stone uh, competition. Matt Korobov, my, my biggest recollection, like you say, J- Jamel, um, uh, Jamel Charlo, Jamal Charlo, was 27 and 0 in that fight. Yeah. Went to the 12 rounds. He's a real battler. My recollection is the brilliant knockout of Andy, Andy Lee, Lee yeah. in the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Hell of, a, hell of a shot. Hell of a shot. But Lee was really under pressure in that Of course fight. he was. Korobov, Korobov comes and he delivers. He is... Well, he's beaten Jose Huzgatagui. He got yeah. beat, Yes, he got beat off Andy Lee, but it was a rocket of a shot from Andy Lee. In my opinion, he beat Charlo. Listen, if Eubank Jr. comes through this, all hell. Absolutely fair play to him because he's got a massive set of stones on him taking this fight, let me tell you. Yeah, I mean, the, one of the things that I do think is in his favour is that Korobov's now 36. Yeah, maybe um, the timing is right. Maybe it is. You know, he's one of those very strong Russians who's made a great career for himself in America. Um, you know, the key to Eubank Jr. becoming a world champion is always going to be in the styles he's matched against. People that want to come out and have a fight like Korobov, who, who's, who's also yeah. not just not just a great puncher and a great um, a brawler is very unfair way, a box fighter. The box fighter really suits Chris Eubank. Mm-hmm. The Billy Joe Saunders matchup for Chris Eubank is always going to be difficult because that guy's going to make him look stupid. The guy with the great jab, George Groves, is always going to make life difficult for him. But what you'll get with Chris Eubank he Jr. Did, he did beat DeGale, though. I know that DeGale's oh, at, a, at a total different point of his life. I'm going to be really honest here. James was done As before I said, that fight. He's at a different point of his life. Yes. But you give Eubank a chink of light oh, and he'll take disbelief, it. and he'll go straight through you. Yeah, he'll take he'll it. He'll go straight through you with a samurai sword. And I don't think we'll get that from Korobov, but I do think we'll get Eubank doing what he does best. Is the fight in Las Vegas? Yes, I think it is, yeah. Um, he Cos- loves I think Las, it's Vegas. A in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. He, he became a Golden Gloves champion over there at the age of 17. It's where his dad, I've told this story on air before, his dad met a lady on a park bench in Las Vegas, senior, and uh, the two sons were adopted by her for two years and they finished their education, 16 to 18, in Las Vegas. And he won the Golden Gloves of Nevada. Um, you know, and, and he showed out there that he can go out. He's very tough. He's mentally so tough, and that's what I love about him. And physically, he will not back down. Um, I, I don't know when we're going to see this kid broken. And I don't even think we've seen Chris Eubank Jr. in his prime yet. You've said it. I agree with it. Comes through Korobov. He deserves a world title shot. Simple as that. Um, well, that's happening in December. Get excited about it because it's a hell of a fight. One thing that I just want to bring up regarding the fight that's uh, just happened, obviously, at the O2 Arena in London. We've got two uh, young champions there in Regis Pogres uh, and Josh Taylor putting it all on the line. Ring Magazine have stuck their, uh, 
the top 10 pound for pound list out this week. I noticed that Callum Smith, who holds a ring magazine belt, isn't on that particular list. Uh, Not had a defining fight yet. I agree with that. And a lot of people off my social media did jump on me this week saying, who's he for? What's this? What's that? I just made an observation that because he has a ring magazine belt, I would have expected him to be there or thereabouts. Um, But like you say, he's beaten George Groves and he's had a dormant 12 months off the back of that. So maybe he doesn't warrant being in this in the top 10. The top 10, by the way, is Lomachenko, franchise champion with the WBC. Would you Uh, agree with him at one? I do, yeah. Lomachenko and Crawford, toss a coin, it's, it's between them, but I will go Lomachenko first, then Crawford. So Crawford's two, then you've got Canelo. Uh, Inoue, Do we agree with those three? Yeah. In that order? Because if you look at the body of work that Canelo Alvarez has had and the weights that he's going through at this moment in time, I mean, he's fighting Kovalev next week, mate. Now, no, it's no, irrelevant I, where Kovalev's at, I, but he's fighting him next I, week. I, I, I would even... Let, let me just read the list, then yes, we'll go for it, yeah, right? So you've, yeah, got, yeah, it's interesting, you've got Lomachenko, yeah. Crawford, Canelo... Inoue and Alexander Usyk, right? They're the top five. Underneath them, Spence Jr., Golovkin, Juan Estrada, Artur Baturbiev, who won last weekend, of course, unifying his division, and they got Manny Pacquiao. No room at this moment for the likes of a Pagres or a Taylor or a Callum Smith. Now, first of all, do you agree with the top ten? Well, yeah, um, yeah, I think it's a great top ten. I'm just going to explain a little bit about a couple of names in there that people might not know. Go on, then. Um, you know, kind of just... You want to do Juan Estrada? He's ripping it up at flyweight. Juan Estrada, yeah. but light flyweight, flyweight, super flyweight, yep. um, with, an, with a great record, 43 fights, 40 wins, three losses, but 27 knockouts in those. A five-foot-four Mexican from Puerto Panasco, Sonora, Mexico. Mm. Um, nice. Terrific nice fighter, amazing twang, like physique. <laughs> um, you know... Someone oh. like a, a Yafai might be fighting him sometime soon. I mean, God. Or even a, a... Charlie Edwards has gone up now, hasn't he? But Yafai is probably the more yeah, likely. They t- look, you, look, you look there and there are um, four Eastern Europeans. There's, yeah. there's no, no Brits. Yeah, do you reckon this is American-based? Oh, yeah, of course it is. You know, I mean... Um, Why is Josh Warrington not in it? Uh, you know... Uh, he Listen, he you probably needs a win of over, say, if he had a win over Leo Santa Cruz hmm. and um, who's the other lad? Oscar Valdez. And an Oscar well, Valdez. If he had a win over those two, he might have a case he's for He's beaten and he's beaten Selby. No, I agree. I mean, that makes him an elite fighter, yeah. in my view. But you need that kind of run, be the man that beat the man that beat the man that beat the man to get in, in this kind of list. Noyo Nui, obviously, is a guy... Um, he's going through the weights. Yeah, who, who's brought his power up. It's extraordinary, even more so than Estrada. Um, Gennady Golovkin at seven, I think he's a little bit on the slide, but you look at his body of work, and if you... If you look ignore, at the Canelo fights, I mean, exactly. he won one of them. No, he's, he's won he one and he's drawn one. You know, <laughs> and, and so, you know, he's not 0-1 and, yeah. and 1 in those two fights with Canelo. He hasn't drawn one and lost one. He's clearly won one and maybe drawn the other. Um, Alexander Usyk mate come on undisputed cruiserweight champion beat everybody in their own backyard he's the man for me oh, I'm not going to argue with you <laughs> um, Artur Baturbiev after his performance yeah, a week great ago deserves great performance. Uh, lifting elevating into that top 10 I mean the only two Brits I can remember in the last probably decade three Brits in the last decade Joe Calzaghe mm. Carl Frampton 
and Carl Froch are the yep. three Brits that have got into that top ten. Yeah, I think Carl I don't Frotch think Anthony Joshua point. ever got in there, did no. he? No. Uh, no, I don't know if he has actually. No, because I think he would have been given the the Ring Magazine belt if he'd got in yes. in that top ten. Um, Tyson Fury was never in their top ten either, by the way. Even when he was champ? I don't think he was. Um, wow. I, I have to look back. On, but I, for memory, I don't think he was. So as you, as you look at that top five there, Lomachenko, Crawford. Spence could be higher in my view. Do you think? Yeah. Com- who, who, who you eradicating from the top five wow. then? Because if you look at Canelo's body of work, that can't go anywhere. I, I, I think... In, in no er- way. Yeah, but er- Errol... Sp- I, I think... Does Terence Crawford beat Errol Spence? Yes, for me he does. I, I think he does now as well after Spence's performance against Sean Porter. You've seen what can be done I to think, Spence, but I was that Crawford's enough the man. I think Crawford's the man at 147. Is there an argument on, in terms of body of work, though, that Canelo Alvarez even belongs higher than Terence Crawford at number two? There's an argument for that, but I would go along and say that because he was the undisputed champion at the weight category below at 140 pounds, he's most certainly earned his stripes, Terence Crawford. Obviously, he beat Julius Ndongo to do that, didn't he? And now he stepped up to 147. It's not his fault that he can't get a knock. Nobody wants to fight him. All the other 147-pound fighters are signed up to a different management company, so he can't get the fights. I think if he got the fights, he'd prove to us that he's the man. Um... At number 10, Manny Pacquiao. I'm yes. so glad he's still in there. You, longevity, isn't it? Body, body of work. work. Yeah. Um, exactly. Body of work, snap. Um, I'll touch you on the champion. arm. Bit of love for you there, Ed. Um, <laughs> there was a great debate in Ring Magazine this month in the, in the magazine. Manny Pacquiao at his peak yep. against Nazim Hamad. At the peaks? At the peak, at featherweight. Jesus, what many Who Jesus. wins that fight? <laughs> Manny Pacquiao versus Nazim Hamid. Mate, are you honestly asking me to back against Nazim Hamid? You know my love for him. It ain't happening, son. No, not love. I mean, I've never seen you melt. <laughs> when you fell in love with your wife, yeah. if you fell in love I, with your wife no, I fell in, in the way Nazim. that you I looked at Nazim Naz. that night I introduced you to him and took pictures of you, you truly love her. <laughs> it's a hell of a fight, is what it, we're saying, it, mate. But, do you think... I think Nazi catch him. Is, yeah, that he, well, he's, he, he had power like no one else had ever had at featherweight, yeah. you know. But, but imagine Manny as well, relentless oh, southpaw. He'd pepper him and Nazi catch him on the way in at some point. Don't get me thinking of dream fights like that. Anyway, I'm going for go. the Maharlikan, the king of the Filipinos. Are you? Of course you are. In, in a Kevin Kelly-style fight where they're both up and down and up and down. And it's like they're both standing there at the end and it's one lands and it's... Rock'em, sock'em, robots. Beautiful and it's stuff. Naz. I'm going Naz as That's well. You've changed I'm, going well Naz. I'm going Naz. I'm going Naz with you. Yeah, Beautiful. Um, it's fight night on TalkSport. Stick with us. It's fight night on TalkSport. Earlier on this week, the one and only Mr. Gareth A. Davis went along in his lycra to talk WWE with Tyson Fury. Never thought I'd say that on this show. Tyson, you've had an incredible few months. You've been seconded onto a new code, if you like. How are you figuring with it? Are you loving it or not? I'm handling it quite well. The, um, the exchange of sports, I'm, I'm fitting in quite well. I'm an actual entertainer and I'm a fast learner. So I've been uh, getting the best out of it. Um, Projecting ahead, are you, I mean, your eye looks amazing. Are you 100% looking at February the 22nd still 100%. to fight Deontay Wilder? If Wilder, Wilder wins and, and I don't get injured, then we're on for February 22nd. Have you found it challenging learning the skills of pro wrestling? Yes, 
I have found it challenging, but a challenge that I'm willing to take on and a challenge that I'm willing to, to learn to get better. Are you kind of the fact that you're doing this and not in the normal boxing training camp? Has that been kind of an advantage for you in, in being able to step away from boxing training? Yeah, for a bit it has taken my mind off boxing completely. Mm. I wouldn't be in training camp anyway, but um, it gives me something to do because I'd, I'd just been um, doing not much at home, really, to mm. be fair. Mm. And I knew I had a long rest coming up in December. I won't be bothered or I won't be doing anything. So I didn't want to have October and November off as well. So I had to do this because I knew it was going to be a month-long job and I could be busy for a month and then I think I'm busy for the first half of November and then as far as I know, hopefully, touch wood, I'm free after that. When, when we last spoke, it was 7th of September, 8th of September, just before you were about to fight Otto Wallen. Did you have any idea at that point then, going into that fight week, that you might end up in the WWE in, no, in the, as, no. a, as a showman? Yeah, I only found out two weeks after I got back and, like I say, I found out on a Wednesday and I flew on a Thursday. No. So it was all very snappy and quick. And did you literally have to make a, a decision there and then that were you going to do it or not? Yes, I did. It was very, very quick. No nerves involved no in nerves this, or did you get nerves? Or no, because I know if I have to, I can bring these out and do a lot of damage to uh, whoever's in front of me. And our guy Ben Davison, I'm surprised you haven't got him in there as one of your guys in the ring. No, ben, um, to... and me and Ben haven't had any contact since the Wallen fight. Yeah. I just a quick message or whatever, but I let Ben get on with his life and me the same. You know, we will we'll spend a lot of time together, so he, he deserves a well-earned break. Because I did he speak to him. To, uh, he doesn't have need. Me he's coming him. to the Royal Rumble, though, isn't he? I'm not sure. I'm he not is. No, he told me he is. I never spoke to him. This is how much I haven't spoke to him since. So you've so. literally been under the radar doing under the radar, minding things. my own business. I've never. I've, I've. I've. I've spoke to a couple of the guys in the camp on a text message. That's it. I've not. I've not seen anybody. I've not. I've been away, haven't I? I was um, away training a friend of mine who uh, was told he was going to have an heart attack at any day if he didn't train. So I spent two weeks in a training camp with him immediately after I got back from Las Vegas because I promised him before I went to Las Vegas that I'd, I'd, train, I'd train with him to get him back on track. So I did that and then I, w I flew away to um, America and I've been there since the last three weeks. You and I have known each other a really long time. I've known you, known you through thin and thinner and, uh, you know, I think we have a genuine friendship and closeness and it's very rewarding for me to see you being able to put your personality and your character on a bigger stage now which is a fun and entertainment stage and because I know you as you know and it's you there in WWE it's yes, actually it you is. it's actually the real me and it's an exciting time for me you know I'm enjoying it and it's all new and you know with every new relationship it all goes really well at the beginning and then, then it sort of fuzzles out. Mm. But um, hopefully it won't go on that long, it won't fuzzle out. But we will have you back in boxing. They haven't kept, they haven't stolen you from us forever, no? No, no, you know, I've got this one-off fight and uh, never say never, but nothing planned for the future with, with wrestling. But don't hold your breath. Everybody knows my thoughts on this. I think it's marketing genius. Yeah. To have him in the WWE, obviously crossing over, talking to a different audience that are used to paying pay-per-views, especially on a channel that he's not necessarily normally fighting on, Sky Sports, BT Sports. I think it works. Don't get me wrong. Am I going to watch it? Probably not. I'm not into all the acting. And I don't the, believe you. No, I probably won't, mate. I'll probably catch it on some social media site or something like that. But the event, because it's not a fight, let's be honest, Gareth, it's not a fight. The event, the choreographed theatrics, whatever. If it gets us closer to a Deontay Wilder fight, if it gets us more, if it makes them more money, 
when they fight Deontay Wilder the second time round, I'm not one to, to take money out of somebody's pocket. If he wants to earn a few quid, let him crack on. I think it's absolutely fine. I mean, you, you, you heard what Tyson had to say. When an opportunity like this was presented to him and when he'd watched people like Triple H and The Undertaker when he was growing up and it, it, he's calling them heroes now. I mean, his heroes, in truth, were boxing uh, men, were, were, were the stars of the boxing ring because, you know, he's from 10 generations of, of bare-knuckle fighters, of travellers who are steeped in the sport and it's, it's their national sport, isn't it? Boxing, hand-fighting. But how, how can you not blame? How can you blame Tyson Fury when all he's been through in the last kind of thirty-six months—the depression, the the, the 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 caving in of his life, the 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 adverse, weight loss. the weight loss, the adverse mm. stuff with UK anti-doping that you know the the, the the all that projection, the things he he wants to do with his life the mistakes of things, his own fault, things he came out with, and yet his life has been transformed. And he is genuinely becoming a star. And he's found himself at the, in the right place at the right time with the right promotional war going on between pro wrestling and all elite wrestling, um, between WWE and all elite wrestling in pro wrestling, where there's a battle going on on TNT and on Skybox Office for, for these biggest names, it, it, he's just fallen into the right place at the right time. He looks very comfortable there. He, he, he's, I, I'm amazed how comfortably he does all the showmanship of it. I don't think he'll get injured. He might pull a knee injury or an ankle injury, but he's going to go there and have fun. He looks happy. I spoke to Ben Davison about him, and Ben's not worried in the slightest. He is making a shed load of money for acting, basically. Mm. Simple as that. Uh, it's fight night on TalkSport. Time to tur- change tact now, away from the world of boxing and into the world of mixed martial arts. And it doesn't seem that we can go anywhere at this moment without speaking about uh, the man from Ireland named Conor McGregor. Went to Russia this week. Mm. A lot of people got excited. Thought, oh, he's chasing down Habib. He's going to be naming his next fight. Well, he's, na- he's named a couple of things, uh, but the reason for his trip to Russia is that he was launching whiskey. I actually thought he might be going into vodka, Gareth. You know what I mean? I thought it might be a new alcohol thing that he might be going into. Uh, but Proper 12 is his whiskey brand. He's off to Russia, and that's what he was out there for. But, of course, a lot of people stuck microphones in his face and started asking him various bits of uh, questions, MMA-related. Um, and one bit of news that has come out of that is that Connor has said that January 18th is the date. The T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas is the, uh, is the destination. Opponent, TBC, but he is coming back. And not only that, he's actually made uh, 2020 um, his year. He's, he's not just named one fight or one day. He's named uh, potential of a, of a couple of fights. He wants three. Basically, what he wants is this in January... He wants the winner of what we experience next weekend between Nate Diaz and uh, Jorge Masvidal. And then he wants to turn his attentions back towards Habib or maybe Tony Ferguson uh, for uh, a fight at the end of the year. Firstly, you've been around him a lot. I've been following him a lot. Do you believe him? (laughs) Do you believe that we'll see him in January? Well, it was an amazing public relations move to go and do it in Moscow for a start. Look, it was to launch the brand of his... A proper 12 mm. whiskey there, of course. It made absolute sense that he would say he would, wouldn't would even go to Dagestan to take a poo. I don't know if you saw that <laughs> comment. 
because um, he had to get his, his uh, abuse in of his arch nemesis. He didn't use the word poo, by the way. No, he, he didn't something use. Else. But we can't do that on the no, radio. No, exactly. But, but it was... <laughs> no, it would be weird to hear Conor McGregor saying poo, wouldn't it? But um, he wanted to get a dig in at his arch nemesis, Khabib Nurmagomedov, who handed him a hiding... Um, we, we were there, of course, mm. in Las Vegas for that event um, a year ago now, yes. isn't it? October. I think there was a lot of PR involved, but to name a date and Las Vegas means there are talks going on behind the scenes. January's the date. You believe it's going to happen? I've got, I've got a funny feeling we're going to see it. Oh, no, I think... Listen, I, I almost feel like booking my flight. Because, I, 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 I mean, I, I'm, I'm an advocate of what he brings in terms of his resonance, carrying it over to the mainstream. And everybody's got a view. You know, the stars of British mixed martial arts, Dan Hardy is warning McGregor to avoid a horrible matchup um, and take Dustin Poirier before he fights Nate Diaz. Michael Bisping saying, um, Connor's no longer the man. They're, they're promoted uh, by the... They're, they're, they're managed by the same, same people. group, by the way. He brings the opinion of everyone. Let's have the next chapter and let's have him back in the octagon and let's have him, sh- let's have him showing his wares and the reason why we get so excited about being around him. It's uh, Fight Night on TalkSport. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. It's Saturday night and we're nearly done. If you've missed any part uh, of the show tonight, which has had a lot of guests on, you're more than welcome to download the podcast. It'll be available for you directly after the show uh, via the TalkSport website or via iTunes. Let's turn, I say turn, let's keep our attention, I suppose, on uh, on mixed martial arts uh, because next week there's a couple of shows that we're extremely excited about. UFC 244 uh, sees Diaz, uh, versus Masvidal for the BMF belt. I have to word that very yeah, nicely, yeah, so therefore yeah, I don't get us all yeah, into trouble. Uh, yeah. The core main event is Gastelum versus our very own Darren Till. There's a couple of other lads on there that I'm excited to watch fight in the likes of Johnny Walker and what have you. Can he come through and become a light heavyweight challenger? He should have a whiskey brand, Johnny Walker, shouldn't he? He should do, mate. <laughs> Might go into business against Conor McGregor. Anyway, um, let's just talk about the men too, because I, I appreciate there's a lot of people listening to this that are mainly boxing fans, but you might come out for the big UFC events or the big Bellator events. Um, um, for the BMF belt then <laughs> come on Diaz who looked sensational three years outside the octagon came back against Pettis didn't miss a beat looked amazing we know what Jorge Masvidal has been doing at this particular weight he knocked out Darren Till brutally in London he then went and absolutely flattened Ben Askren unbelievable with a flying knee after what technically five seconds I think they added a couple more on there for the referee's count um, and he lands now with this unbelievable fight it's a fan favourite fight mouth-watering contest between these two at Madison Square Garden the venue so fitting yeah. isn't it come on how does this play out for you? Well, I, I, I was going to say that, Adam. I mean, let's just get the venue right. For anyone that thinks that mixed martial arts, the UFC, Bellator aren't having big events, this is Madison Square Garden where Muhammad Ali fought Joe Frazier in the fight of the century in 1971, the night of some mm. of the biggest fight night meccas on earth. Just give um, a bit of context as well it, regarding mixed martial arts in New York because it's only a recent thing. Yeah, it is. Well, what is it? It's... it's Three years ago, and, and yeah. of course, the guy that christened it was uh, Conor, Conor McGregor, McGregor. himself, <laughs> winning a second UFC belt mm-hmm. at lightweight against Eddie Alvarez on an amazing night. 
um, when we saw a brilliant fight with Tyrone Woodley and Stephen Thompson, who's on this card as well, of course, against uh, Vicente Luque. Mm. You didn't even, when you mentioned, started this section, mention the first names of Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz because they are so resonant mm. in the world that we to. follow. They're, they're, they're that big. It's like saying Ali and Frazier. They're not quite Ali and Frazier in that sense, but... In the world of mixed martial arts, they in, are. In, in the world, they yeah, they, because they... They are, they are totemic figures in that, that culture that loves purebred fighters, mm. people that are honest to the core about themselves, who the great thing about Masvidal, and I am coming on to my preview on it, which you want, <laughs> Masvidal and Diaz... Are two guys I've been working for you a long time. Ne- I, I, you know, I, know I, yeah, I do apologise. <laughs> I, I, I go round the houses and round and round and round. Um, Masvidal and Diaz are two guys who've never been affected by um, by corporate things, no. by needing to be a particular Money brand. Money and belts, not interested. Not interested. They are interested in being themselves. They are thorough athlete fighters. And Masvidal is famous for coming up with a guy called Kimbo Slice in Miami, growing up on the streets of Miami, doing street fighting when it wasn't, when people used to do little kind of like grainy videos of guys fighting mm. in, in the car parks of McDonald's in fights that had been organized, yeah. you know, with a group of people overseeing them, trying to make sure they weren't going to bang their heads on concrete or whatever. But these things went viral. It was the very early days of mixed martial arts. I mean, I've spoken to Masvidal about training in car parks where they used to concrete car parks where they'd run up and down the stairs and up and down the, the, the laddering of different levels. He's an extraordinary character. He's a beautiful man in mm. many ways but he's very dangerous. He will flick the switch like our lad um, Josh Taylor will. Ready to flick the fit, switch. Genuine fighter. Nate Diaz and his brother um, Nick Diaz. They are cult icons in America. They're CBD advocates. They're, they're, they're grass smokers. They will not give up their way of life. And they have both become huge stars. Nate Diaz, in this fight with Jorge Masvidal, will probably be a part of three of the biggest pay-per-view events of all time for the UFC. Extraordinary numbers. Mm. All these things are massive. Diaz, for me, looked brilliant in his comeback fight uh, against uh, Anthony Pettis a few months back, having been away for three years, but he always trains um, from Stockton in in California. I think he's just got more wares than Masvidal. I think it'll be a mainly stand-up contest. They're both clever on the ground, but Masvidal is like a, he's a sneaky fighter. That street fighter is really in him, and you just never know what he's going to do. I mean, that knockout of Ben Askren last summer, four seconds, leaping with his knee, with his bow and arrow on his back. It was that kind of feel, wasn't it? Woo! Like that, really just going for it. It was amazing. I'm picking Nate Diaz. Yeah. Um, one, thing, one thing that I want to say. It's a five-round fight, Yeah, it is. It? One thing I'm picking Diaz. One thing I want to say about Nate is because, as you just said, listen, this is a guy that has come up through the, uh, the Gracie lineage, lineage yeah, of correct. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And... He refuses to take fights to the ground. Refuses to do it. He he wants to basically beat you into a pulp until you shoot on him, and then he takes you to the deck and chokes you out. Very similar to what Connor did. Connor lost gas and ended up shooting on him, and then he thought, right, you're in my world now, so I'll, I'll take your neck. I can see that in this because I think both of these lads are going to throw down. It's going to be an absolute bloody war. Rounds four, rounds five. You might get a case of where 
Jorge might feel the pace because he's not done a five-round fight at welterweight before. Let's find out what he's all about. Listen, he's as tough as they come, but when you get to the 20-minute mark and the 25-minute mark of a fight like this, I think it might tell. Ned Diaz, he does triathlons for crying out loud. He is used to this type of pace, and I can see it getting... I think, I think it'll be very, very even up until a point where Masvidal maybe tries to take it down, and that's when you're in Ned Diaz's world. Yeah, there's, look, there's 88 MMA fights between them. They're vastly experienced. It doesn't matter that you lose MMA fights. You know, Jorge Masvidal's 34-13-0. There's so many ways to lose in MMA, but he's still fresh. Um, I think Nate Diaz has got a, a great chin and really, really good hands. Um, you know, it, it, it's so hard to pick, but I, I, I almost want Nate Diaz to win because I want to see him fight Conor McGregor next year. <laughs> I, I, I really want that fight. Okay, then, on, that, um, on, on the core men, then, do you see Till beating Gastelum? I think Darren needs to be very careful against Kelvin Gastelum. Um, he's very happy at middleweight. He, he was a welterweight who liked a lot of pasta and pizza no I know Calvin right. pretty well and he, right. he, he loves his Mexican he could easily food. make well to wait his... if he wanted to yeah exactly but he's very heavy handed and very happy at 185 pounds Darren's moving up a weight I'm really pleased for him because he, he was starving his body he's a yeah, he big himself. big man the gorilla isn't he he's a big big man Darren's got to be careful about not in, getting involved in a really big firefight um, with Kelvin Gastelum but Adam, I'm, I bet you're, you're salivating because it's such a great matchup, and that, and and you cannot get a better atmosphere than the Garden, frankly. It is unbelievable. Um, I'm worried. I'm be honest with you for Darren because, like you say, he has got extremely heavy hands as Kelvin Gaston. We saw what he did to Michael Bisping uh, in Michael's final fight, coming off the back of that loss uh, to George Saint Pierre at short notice. I just hope that Darren, going up to middleweight, decides to use technique rather than be infatuated by size. Forget that you're the bigger man. Forget that you could just walk through a lot of this nonsense. Start using some of that Mai Tai technique that you picked up when you were working in Brazil and out in Asia and what have you. And outthink your guy rather than try to outbully your guy because I don't think Kelvin Gastelum can get outbullied. I really don't. Well, look at that. He's just had a five-round war with a guy who's now the middleweight champion of the world. He was world, outstanding uh, that Israel night. He was Adesanya. very unlucky. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was life and death, wasn't it? I mean... No, it's a terrific card, and I, I, I'm envious that you're going to be there while I'm back in the studio. I will. Uh, I'll say hello to everybody. For a yeah, exactly. I'll say hello to everybody in New York for you. They always do. They always, whenever I go on these trips, they always say, "Where, where is he?" That's what they always. Oh, don't worry, I'll give you a list of names and addresses to call as well. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm married. Stop it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's next week. UFC 244 coming at you from uh, Madison Square Garden. Uh, and you'll in New be York. reporting from there and giving us great reports. I'll send you back a couple of night. interviews yeah, for that. Exactly. You're obviously going to be covering uh, Anthony Crawler. Then obviously looking forward to Canelo versus Kovalev. Uh, listen, thank you very much uh, for being with us on the show. As I keep telling you, it is available as a podcast. Loads of guests on earlier on, including Josh Taylor and Regis Progress. So get yourself on the download whether it be on our website talksport.com or via itunes like i said next week i'll be in new york gareth will be in the studio uh, i think spencer oliver alongside him obviously talking about crawler's last dance and canelo versus kovalev so we'll catch you next time ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tapiphone. 